And we're here. <sighs> you know, it seems today that all you see is overpriced violence and paid DLC. I'm asking you, where are those good old-fashioned values on which we used to sell our products? Man, I don't know. It's ba- back lucky. in my day. <laughs> I'm just saying, lucky that there is a family guy. Lucky that there's a man who positively can do all of the things that make us laugh and cry. That's right. He's a family guy. <laughs> and what better pairing option than the not family man himself? He, oh, please. He has a family. He loves his gay husband and adopted daughter. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Man, I would love to see codec calls between the two of them. You want, uh, David Hayter did one on his Twitter. He did? He did. Before it was officially announced, but after it was leaked, no. there was just Snake going, I need you. I can't play Fortnite without you. <laughs> just to a picture of Peter Griffin. <laughs> Peter, there's a weird banana here. I was on train for this. What do I do? Okay, okay, okay. Here's, here's the deal. You take the banana, and I, I've seen a game like this. It reminded me of the time that I met Donkey Kong. Holy crap, it's Donkey Kong! Donkey Kong, hmm. I fought him. He's a worthy foe. Wait, hey, what are you doing in the flashback? It's, it's, it's a non-sequitur. You're not supposed to be here. Ah. I can sneak wherever I want. I am turning more Batman than Snake. <laughs> yeah, really, I... I t- you had one job with this bit. One job. Man, I don't do bits. I do scripts. We, we've been over this before. I do scripts. I can multitask. I've got a solid record. Everyone who just tuned into this one, they have tuned right out. Oh, my God. This is the most interested <laughs> I've ever been in Fortnite. Welcome to Design Dork's Guide and everyone. It's a video game show. I am uh, one of your hosts, Pyrrhic Kong, host of Design 4. With me, as always, is the incomparable Duke of Dorks, who is permanently looking right now because, as we all know, my webcam died, so I have a new one. Yay, but it's got the little light thing. You can see it spiral thing in my glasses reflection. So I'm looking here now. You all just got to mm. deal with it. You just, oh my god. First off, um, is Fortnite good? You know, the, the way I like, put it is that it casts a very wide net, but wide nets can't go very deep. I looked at, like, the trailer that announced that Peter Griffin and Solid Snake are going to be joining Fortnite, and they had a really good slide, and they also had a grappling hook. Also, and I'm the like, wall climb? Like, that looks fluid as hell. I'm like, is this Titanfall 3? No, yeah, like, I, the gameplay side has always just, I know it's impressive. I just, it, it it's the Ready Player One of video games, and I just can't connect with that. Well, I, I agree with you, but it's saying, like, Chapter 5 of that. Also, thank you, Camp, the MVP. Oh, yeah, thank but, you, Camp. But, Truly like, I know that there's a single-player campaign attached that no one will ever talk about, and I was looking at the trailer, and I'm like, but that looks good. No, yeah, there's there's crazy, weird lore things involving a ba- talking banana, Jonesy, and The Rock for some reason. 
That sounds really good, though. Like, when the gameplay is not centered around aggressive, competitive gentrification, like, is the gunplay good? It, it might be. I don't know. <laughs> like, if I completely ignore Fortnite and just play it as a single-player game, <laughs> I will probably like it better than Half-Life. <laughs> Uh, you know, that's that's probably true, honestly. <laughs> oh, what a crazy, crazy game. Oh, man. But just, yeah, I just want to comment, like, what a way to get Peter Griffin in the game. If you all haven't seen him, he is ripped for no reason. But his neck is still fat, so it's just this cylinder of Peter Griffin head attached to a He-Man body that he can put a tuxedo over. And what a good way to not have to change his hurt boxes whatsoever for being fat. I can't wait to see them do the same thing for Homer, but it's that one meme where he's just got a bunch of hair clippers that's just got all of his fat <laughs> behind him. Yes. It's gonna be so good. Mm -hmm. And they are, in fact, adding the bird is the word emote to Fortnite. So, of course, it's a perfect game now. Uh, it's a perfect game. Because not only can Venom hit the gritty, Vegeta can tell him that the bird is the word directly next to him. Oh, yeah. While Chun-Li jumps out of a cardboard box. Oh, yeah, that's true. There's also graffiti of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So that's probably I feel like too. I've gaslit myself into just thinking Fortnite is bad. I... It's just not my cup of tea, I think. You're a Smash no. Brothers YouTuber. I know, I know. But like the whole draws that is like seeing how the characters like are fleshed out you don't get that in uh-huh fortnite it's you, you get kratos doing like the whole default dance kind of deal yeah uh-huh because smash brothers is so fleshed out because there's so many great interactions yeah. <laughs> what do you get like one thing for the character and then they just get plastered onto everything the default fortnite, fortnite is canon to star wars Oh, don't. Oh, God. <laughs> fuck that thing. <laughs> uh, as, as, as if that trilogy wasn't a disaster enough. Let's, let's put an integral part of the plot. I'm just saying that there is more deep interaction and character-relevant plot in Fortnite than in the entirety of Smash Brothers. The only thing that Smash Brothers affects outside of itself is Kirby to a limited extent and Kid Icarus. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You're not wrong. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll play <sighs> some. Is there anything? I, th I think we haven't asked this before, but what's the character that just gets you in? Uh, Joey Wheeler. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, or or Pegasus. Like, if you go a little beyond Yugi and Kaiba for Yu-Gi-Oh, I'm probably in. <laughs> Oh, oh, that kind of just summoning cards kind of deal. That would be mm -hmm. pretty sick. Then you put Hugh Neutron in as well, so you can very literally live out the meme of, I'm sending you to the Shadow Rim, Jimbo. 
<laughs> Mom says you're grand. <laughs> God, my hue is the same as my Patrick Warburton. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's okay. It's okay. All right. Want to get into this? Let's do it. Okay. Transition. The year is almost over, and the bet feels a little bit wasted. <laughs> Phil, Phil, today, good friend of the pod, Phil Spencer, oh, personally went and he because it was in he went down the of the storm. from his golden throne, and he said, "Banjo fans, I hear you." And he looked directly at me as he said it. And I was like, Phil, finally, you're answering my calls. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was How's it going? Because I follow the Heroes of the Storm Reddit religiously. He was asked about just bringing back old franchises and how they're kind of planning to maybe encourage Blizzard to revisit their old games. And he was basically mm -hmm. saying that, yeah... Uh, we know there's a demand there. Banjo fans, I'm looking right at you, but we don't want to force people to make stuff they don't want to do. And if it's not the right team, anyway, it's just basically saying, pass the baton, go talk to the people that are actually in charge of these things. Yeah, but then he said, never say never. And he's like, we have some big plans, so look forward to it. So you know what? That was in relation to I Blizzard, have though. to watch the Game I Awards the now. I watched the thing. <laughs> I read the whole interview. I'm desperate for this kind. Of Did you see the thumbnail of this episode? <laughs> I want, no, I, I want no, I just that. clicked the video. Oh, it, it's here. I don't. Storm. I don't consume content. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, but yeah, in a couple of days, maybe we'll have something to talk about. But until then, fingers crossed. Yeah, there is nothing for Metroid. There is nothing for Banjo. I would be I would be happy to lose. I just want something to make either of us happy right now. I don't want you to win because I care much less. <laughs> I don't give a shit about Ridley. Uh but if the, yeah, fine. We have a better Metroid villain now. He is he though? Yes, he but is. He's fun, but he's kind of a self-contained kind of deal. Yeah, but he's rad as fuck. That's that is true. It's a sick design, but like I'd still take Manga Ridley over that. Nah, nah. That's like actual philosophy and stuff. Ridley is just like, what if I were sympathetic and I said, nah, though. He's he's the big bad wolf if he were a pirate. I, how do you say that and not think that's the coolest thing ever? Because I've seen like eight interpretations of the Big Bad Wolf that are amazing. And Pirate is somehow like only fifth on that list. Uh. Compared to Comedian, Hard Boiled Detective, and Death? Okay, no, you're right, you're right, that's fair, that's fair. But how is that movie so good? I finally got around to watching it this month, and damn. It's so good. Wrote it off because just the last three Shrek things have been terrible, but that's, like, better than all of them. No, shut up. You could just look at the animation of no, that I intro know. scene. I'm aware now. Like, Puss in Boots versus that golem is, the like, a top five fight to of this year. The music of just, god damn, that was, hmm, hmm. 
animation to music is just the pinnacle of animation design. Anywho, what you been playing this month? I've been playing some video games. Some nice stuff. Um, So, just little things with friends. Just going back to the old standbys of, like, Pokemon Puzzle League and Pokemon Stadium 2 and the like. Fun, fun. Um, You will never see Tarvold more mad than when you have a strategy that is based around lowering his evasion and then remembering that the only Pokemon in Pokemon Stadium 2 rentals with rest talk is Dugong and he doesn't pick it and Dugong just beats half of its team on its own. (laughs) And you intentionally start whittling down his team and then reveal, here's my trump card, Wobbuffet. Yes! And then I oh, go, I love how do you feel so about flipping coins? <laughs> but no, it felt good. I played someone who was good at Pokemon Puzzle League, and their reaction essentially was, okay, no, I, no, I give, you win. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, I still remember when... Me, Connor, and Gooms had to team up together just to take one game off of you. And it took, like, 30 rounds. Uh, we went for 51 rounds. 51 rounds. Wow. <laughs> it's Did, a good are, game. Are you a god or do we suck or is it a combination of the two? Uh, yes. I, I would say that I'm, like, 7 out of 10 at that game from where the peak is. Okay, okay. I skill ceiling. Yeah, it's, that's fine, that's fine. Oh shit, I forgot a game. Um, Speaking of puzzle games, I actually played uh, Dr. Mario 64. Oh, alright. Yeah, just because I was waiting around, and I'm like, oh, this is another puzzle game, and I'm like, you know, I didn't really get into it as a kid, but I'm much better at puzzle games now, I'm feeling myself, everything will be fine, and I played Dr. Mario earlier this year. So, um, you know, Everything will be good. We'll figure it out. Uh, this game sucks. Really? How do you mess up a Dr. Mario game? They're kind of just all based on... Uh, you make it a versus battler. And I'm like, I love versus puzzle games. I love Panel to Pawn. I like the feel of it. I like that all of the enemies are themed around Wario Land 3 for no reason. And just Dr. Mario is there. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's got a good sense and a good vibe to it. Um... Everything that isn't just playing Dr. Mario, the NES game, is awful. Because combos in this game work as, you know, the traditional style of puzzle battlers where you get a combo and some garbage will either fall or rise on your opponent's side, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, This game does it in the sense that it will take two randomly colored little pill droplets and it will rain it down on the enemy. The issue is... They go frame by frame, very slowly, and you can't move until they get to the bottom. Oh, so there's just an unbearable amount of waiting around for the game to There is so much painful waiting around for you to see that, ah, uh, you know that move that I was planning? I can't do it. I guess I'll have to do busy work to work around it. And the only thing that it really accomplishes is prolonging an already pretty long game. Because Mm. 
Dr. Mario is easy enough that you aren't going to be knocking out your opponent through this method. You aren't going to be adding to it. It's just a matter of winning the war of attrition. Mm -hmm. And the war of attrition sucks. Like most games I had with the computer went down to, okay, the best thing that either of us can do is clear out the entire right side of the board and then at the end figure out what to do with the left side and take three minutes disassembling that. Oh, God. Like, game... These games can be really fun when they last for a very long time, but, I, like, I'm watching gameplay right now. The pacing of this is... Like, I, I could play this, and that's a problem because I don't play these kind of yep. games. Um, and then it has the bright idea to do that with four players... No. Wherein it stretches out the screen to be a little baby Dr. Mario no. screen for each of you that really strains the eyes in order to work. But get this. Yellow clears go down one person's. Red clears go down another person's. Blue clears go down another person's. Which means that targeting is impossible and luck-based. Hmm. Well then. That sounds abysmal yes and guess what doing it on hard mode doesn't actually make the game harder it just makes it longer because it adds more viruses as in like more colors or as in the base number of viruses you have to eliminate goes from 30 to 50 oh oh so that like that's just more things to con that what why because that's how difficulty works in the original Dr. Mario, where it's just like, okay, here's the field, speed will increase, figure it out. And that makes sense for a single-player puzzle game. No consideration was taken at all for turning it into a multiplayer puzzle game other than it functions. And does it... <laughs> it doesn't look like it. Uh, I don't know, the, the final boss theme is good, um... Story mode needs you to beat all of it without losing once. And it's games are really, really freaking long. So that's a lot more agonizing than it is in Tetris Attack. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that there are 14 stages in Tetris Attack slash Pokemon Puzzle League. I And there are only 8 to 9 in Dr. Mario 64. I can finish Pokemon Puzzle League twice in the time that it would take me to beat Dr. Mario 64 once. That's terrible. And I would have relatively close games in Pokemon Puzzle League. This is not me smashing the computer in 20 minutes. I'm or 20 seconds. I'm not super fast at winning. I'm super good at surviving. Mhm. Mm mm -hmm. And you're having fun the whole time. Yeah, I'm having a great time. Love that game. But yeah, um of all the puzzle games that I've played this year, uh, Kirby's Kirby's Avalanche and the, all the other Puyo Puyo variants, Magical Drop 2, Tetris Attack and all of its variants, um, various Game Watch Gallery 3 side modes, this is by far the worst. Mm. Uh, poor Dr. Mario. Can't, can't seem to catch a break in recent years. Or ever. Yeah. He had one okay game. And that's it. I mean, it got him into Smash Brothers, but... <laughs> no, he, no, the music got him into Smash Brothers. That, that's, that's a fair point. One indeed, song. Indeed. 
And that's a good song. It is a very good song. It doesn't play in the story mode at all. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. Baffling. They made new compositions that sound... One sounds like a Kirby song from, like, the Dreamland 3 era. And the other sounds like farts. <laughs> I mean, it's and then it, Wario, apparently that's... And then they have one good final boss theme for Rudy, which is oddly melancholic and chorus based. Okay. And I'm like, he's a clown. But it's okay. But yeah, uh, no, hate this game. Game I don't hate is uh, Sonson, which is a 1984 arcade game by Capcom featured after Journey to the West. Uh, the reason that I played this is because uh, Capcom has an arcade collection that uh, you can get for free, and they give you this game as your free sample, essentially. And I got that because I'm like, oh, I could get Vampire Savior for $2 right now. I love that game. Let's go. Do I already own it? Yes, but I can own it on my Steam Deck for $2. <laughs> And they also had Saturday Night Slam Masters. I'm like, I want to own Saturday Night Slam Masters. That is Hagar and Biff Slamkovich. Yeah, how can you say no? Yeah. I also beat Vampire Savior. That game's still great. Guess what? Surprise. Uh, This is a very simple game. I really like it. Because it's... Oddly unfair, it takes cues from games like Mappy and then combines it with sort of the shooting style of Gradius. Yeah, I'm watching gameplay. This this seems very simple, but it like is. Pace seems really good. Yeah, I I really enjoy it. It has like a definitive finish the loop state, which is nice and fun to it. Um, positioning matters a lot. It feels like all of your mistakes matter so i was like okay i'm just gonna buckle down and i'm gonna get good at this game and i'm gonna actually get a full clear no safe states no resets just like infinite quarters it and see if i can just slowly improve at a game that's well before my time mm -hmm. and i really enjoyed it nice. it's hard but you slowly get to learn patterns. I like the multi-layer sort of platforming feel of it. It makes it feel a lot less loose, and I feel a lot less, what the hell do I do? Than I do if I oddly have free control in a game like Gradius or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's got cute sprites that appeal to me. I like the monkey girl that they added based on this game in Marvel vs. Capcom 2. So that helps matters. Oh, is that where she's? Oh, yes. She's inspired from this game. She's an original character for Marvel, too. But this game is the basis. OK, OK. Neat. And like, yeah, it's just it's a good arcade game with good philosophies and it's literally free. You can beat this right now. Everyone looking at home. I'm impressed by the amount of variety of enemies I'm seeing here. For an arcade game, like, every time the rocks count down, there's something completely new to deal with. That's neat. Yeah. It was just cute. I was like, I was just glad to approach something with that original arcade mentality and have it be like, okay, the game is good enough that I can actually do that with it. Nice. Um. Then I also played another title called uh, Toho Hero of Ice Fairy. 
Uh, this is interesting. This is based on the boss character Cerno from, uh, I think it's ESOD. I, again, my Toho knowledge is very minimal. Mm. And it is a 2D character action game wherein you essentially play it similar to a twin stick shooter. Okay. Where you control the character with one stick and then with the other you shoot out your barrage of projectiles it's good like this is just a boss fight game that says dodge the bullet hell patterns but it feels really good like it's clearly simple it's clearly like at most a five person team but the visuals have a solid like look to them and feel to them the music is very very solid including doing the best thing which is the boss hits phase two and for one of the later bosses hits the metal gear rising now the lyrics kick in phase when you're fighting a giant oh, robot yeah and i went oh shit ah oh, damn you actually went the extra mile uh, that that's one of my favorite things in games. Just like, okay, we're getting serious. Now the lyrics pop in. Um, lots of variety in your ability to actually combat things because you can actively change the way your projectiles function in between fights. Like you can do like a heavy lobbing snowball, or you can do lightly tracing shots, or you can do just a laser. Mm-hmm. Also seen a lot of variations of ways to dodge around, which is pretty neat. Yes, you have the standard dodge, but you also have a bar that just lets you fly around the screen invincible until it wears out. And then you have to just slowly fall back down. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of weaving through attack patterns, a lot of good learning. Sometimes the boss will just go, you cannot hit me in phase five. Survive. It, you're and saying you see, that literally as I'm watching just giant lasers sweeping across the stage as the boss has gone up into the upper blast zone. Yes. <laughs> it's just... Mm. Um, the only knock against it that I have is that the defeated boss sprites are weirdly horny, and I don't like them. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Toho character designs are way too young for that to come across as anything yeah it's um you know how fire emblem heroes does its damage sprites oh no so anyway <laughs> uh yeah no I, I looked at clown piece and i went no no that's unfortunate but aside from that aesthetic choice like this game isn't quite finished yet i believe it has six bosses and then harder variations of those bosses for refights uh-huh. and they're good variations but they don't have the final boss in the game yet okay so so much very much a work in progress very much a work in progress but like i got a good like five hours out of this just doing like half of the refights and most of the main fights and spending like a solid 40 minutes per boss learning it and it felt good. Like, you feel incredibly empowered in this game, just from all the options of not taking damage that you have. Mm -hmm. Like, you can, you can very clearly see how you can do all of this without getting hurt. But then you look at it, and you're like, 
What the fuck do I do with this? What the hell? It's asking me to do a damage list in the hard mode run for an achievement? Okay. <laughs> but I just thought it was a rad game and I had a great time. Nice. Toho is definitely one of those series that I've always wanted to get into just because that that power fantasy you're talking about does seem it seems unachievable but if you can achieve it that must be the best feeling ever definitely certainly and i don't have this as a note here but uh i did play mario party 3 with friends um good friend of the channel good friend of mine alter mentality i am so so sorry <laughs> i sincerely apologize that was not fair of me I am glad that I won by seven stars. What happened? Um, very, very bad luck. And like constant targeting from not me. That's... But just do you know the feeling where you have to ask someone if it's OK to steal their coins? Because you're like, I would feel bad. <laughs> and they're just at the point of whatever. It can't get any worse, man. Just go for no, it. No, just a bunch of friends playing a four-player game of Spiny Desert. Um, I'm, I'm sorry I'm like this. <laughs> I sincerely apologize that on the last turn I throw a mini game so I will have zero coins so I can use my Bowser phone to steal a star. <laughs> that's so evil i love it <laughs> i am so sorry that i am a hidden block whisperer and i didn't even need it that's that bullshit was infuriating <laughs> watching the it happened outside stuff. of the league i just know i just feel it uh, I'm so sorry that I present really, really good advice that people then do not follow because I am presenting it. <laughs> uh, uh, glorious. But a wonderful time, lovely people. I'm sorry I'm like this. All right, uh, you go ahead for a little bit. Okay. Uh, jumping off of that, I guess, an easy thing. Uh, mm -hmm. With Thanksgiving coming around, I had a get-together with my family where we brought out the old family GameCube and played a couple of f fun games together, like little nuggets of our childhood. So nice. I had an absolute blast. We only had time for one game, but went back to Mario Party 7. Have I ruined Mario Party for you? No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, well. Have I ruined the ability for you to play Mario Party with your family? You've killed my desire to win. And now I kind of just embrace the game, which was hilarious with this game specifically. Right, I need to tell a story. Uh, please, please. My youngest sister is just an absolute sweetheart. Like, she's the kind of person that has a swear jar, but it's not a swear jar. It's a sorry jar because she can't stop herself from just apologizing for everything for every every slightest confrontation and this game of mario party 
made it its absolute sworn duty to ensure that she was unintentionally bullying me as hard as possible. <laughs> okay, first off, which board? Uh, Pagoda Peak. Love Pagoda Peak. Okay, okay, okay. Just like, anytime I had a huge coin link, oh, there's a Koopa Kid space. Am I about to get communismed? I sure am. There it goes. Everything spread across the board. And of course, my sister benefits the most, right? Because she had no coins. I'm mm. about to get a star. Whoops. Now she just landed on the gong. It costs 40 coins now. Let me swap everyone to swap around because of that one. I think it's an orb or a trap, whatever. And if, I'm not next to the star anymore. And it just kept happening over and over. I think there was like five Koopa Kid spaces and they all... Did the communist bullshit <laughs> every time resulting in an increasingly dismayed i'm sorry i'm not meaning to and it was just the best mario party loss i've ever had especially since she ended up winning because every bonus star she got every bonus star and, it, she got, mm -hmm. and everything she got was directly as a result of her bullying me My good hidden block space all that good stuff it was lovely uh, Mario Party 7 itself, like, again, only had time for one board, but I think that's probably my favorite Mario Party. Heavily I... nostalgia, of course. I'm mixed on it. I feel like it can create really good games, and I feel like it can create really miserable ones. I, uh, yeah, I, I had the miserable one. I definitely agree with that. Well, no, no, no. I think that that's a fun sort of miserable one, but I just feel like it can create a lot of foregone conclusions. In, in certain cases, yes. I, th I feel like some of the boards have some really fun... Uh, with the way that the bonus stars work, how they are always different, so you can't quite know what you're planning for. Yeah. I found that a little more interesting, but there's definitely points where... Uh, with with the, the, the Kamek Orb, you can kind of just run away with having all the traps on a board, and that yes. gets obnoxious. Yeah. Uh, some of the varied objectives are fun, some of them are not. Mm -hmm. And the microphone is garbage. Oh, yes, absolutely. I always turn that off. I, I do think that 7 is my favorite of the GameCube ones, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, I can, I can definitely get behind that. It definitely probably just my favorite, because it was the one I played as a kid. This, this, this was the family game. I completely understand it does not have the Bowser phone. That's true. That's true. The, the Bowser time thing just isn't quite as fun. He's not, he's not, he's not mean enough. No, he's very mean. He just goes, I'm going to destroy this public property. It's gone. <laughs> but he gets to sell you a limited time, one-of-a-kind Golden Bowser statue. Oh, no, I'm talking Windmillville, where he just crushes a windmill and leaves you no recompense. Oh, right. Or those times where he'd be like, one. I'm going to destroy this bridge. And then you just have his A-posing model tumbling around the bridge <laughs> and bursting through it. And he goes... Oh man, that was a good workout. I'm Bowser. <laughs> uh, fun game. Good times. Uh, very similarly, we had another another party game from my childhood. This one very much a... Uh, I grew up with Rayman 3, so I was kind of obligated <laughs> to buy this. And I was uh -huh. young enough that it, I didn't have the knowledge to hate it yet, but Rayman Raving Rabbids 2. Revisiting this when I'm much older, it is shocking by just how shit this game is. Oh man, oh, my I was God. like, 
I've had the Rabbids Renaissance. This game's amazing. <laughs> no, but like, there's there's barely anything. Like, you see constant reuse animations. The music quality's terrible. There's like five sound effects across the whole thing. It it's broken severely. Motion controls don't do what you want them to do. There's reuse bullshit. There's just somewhere you just hold a Wii remote up to your head, and that's literally it. But that sounds great. That sounds amazing. I I say this with my only point of reference being WarioWare Smooth Moves, which is an amazing video game. Oh no, Smooth Moves is great. This is like a third of that game. And like, to be fair, it does lead to really hilarious moments given how garbage it is, because it doesn't quite Mm -hmm. respond to what you're trying to do, which means that the Everybody's just kind of panicking, trying to figure out, okay, what's what's the weird position they want this Wii remote to be in for this to work out properly? Mm-hmm. But like, it was, it was still fun. I, like, it, there, there's a simple joy between that just weird party. Everyone's trying to just do wacky motions. Like, it's the same reason that WarioWare games are fun. Like, it's, it's just. It, Gosh, so looking back and seeing how they treated Raymond back here, I remember why I hated the rabbits so much because he's he's just he's just dead. Although I I will say that even many years later, the advertisements mm-hmm. for this game in specific are still absolutely hilarious. Like there, there's one that's a uh, which one was it? Um, there's a bunch of them. It's, it's rabbits go around the world, so there's just little skits of them in various parts of the... Okay, it was the World Tour one. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, have, I couldn't remember like, if it was that or Rabbits Go Home. You have, like, a guy and a rabbit getting ready to go on the Tour de France. They're all both, like, waiting for the gun to fire. It goes, the bicycle guy shoots off, and you just slowly pan down to a rabbit sitting in a kayak. Just with both oars <clears> around. <throat> And just when when Rabbit's humor realizes that it can just like linger on a punchline for a second and doesn't have to just scream, like rabbits can actually be really really funny, and I enjoy them. It's just yeah. also obnoxious. And this this is very much in the time period where it was much more of the latter than the former. Oh well, I, Raymond's back now, so it's fine. But like. Wow, did they really rush these games out? Do you know What's the... the best song remix in Raving Rabbids 2? Ah, <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Celeb no. Satisfaction was the one that jumped to my mind first. Well, okay. I can't get no. Alright. Cause my only point of reference is yeah, I played that the first one and I remember girls just want to have fun. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they sh- they'll, they're willing to spend money on the licensed music. Just not much else in the rest of the game. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What was my other small one? I can't actually remember. Uh, oh, right, right. You're going to recoil. There you go. Yeah, I, I did something, something truly, truly unspeakable. Because it, it was my, my youngest brother's birthday, and he really wanted to just play play a game with me, because he's, he's, he's a younger brother. That's what they want to do. Yeah. 
And I said, yeah, okay, I'll let you, we can play whatever you want to. And I did the, I, I, I did, I did something horrible, guys. I played League of Legends. Man, that's 45 to one hour of your life minutes that you're not getting back. That, 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 that's, that's the thing, though, because the, the worst part of any time I'm forced to go to play League of Legends because of a brother or something like that, I have so much fun. I'm really good at MOBAs. And just... Okay, so who do you play? I play Vi... I, I, don't, I still don't know if his name is Viger or Viger. He's the Black Mage ripoff. Okay. Because like every time he kills something, it's, 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 it's an infinitely stacking power champion. So mm-hmm. he just there's no cap to what he can pull right. off. Right. And like I don't know what half of the characters do, but it's just like, okay, oh yeah, I, I've played... I could have played Heroes of the Storm professionally. Here, here's my combo. This is this one's the sun. Okay, boop, boop, boop. You're dead. Moving on. Yeah. God, I just. I think it's because Heroes of the Storm teaches much healthier habits than League does. So when you're in that kind of okay, this person doesn't play very much, you're kind of stuck with the the lower echelons of players. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of stomp, and it's fun. Ah. Uh. And, of course, your team is very nice to you the entire time. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, because I'm playing with my brother, my dad, and my other brother. So there's only one random, and we can easily just shut them out, shut them out from sheer numbers alone. Oh, so they don't go, stop family bullshit or I feed? <laughs> well, no, because I'm better than them. They don't need to, they don't need to feed because I'm killing everybody. But if they feed, then you have to work for two people. And then they realize, oh, no, he's working for two people. people. (laughs) It's fine. And they go, oh, no. (laughs) Uh, Oh, no, I try to feed, but the children, they hate my cooking. I I do wish that I, I, like, I know this is blasphemous to say, but I do wish I could get into this game. Like, I'm so invested in the lore. I love the actual character designs, but it it, it feels too rigid when can like compared to Heroes of the Storm. The jungling isn't as fun mm-hmm. because the creatures aren't joining you in battle. The the golden item system isn't as interesting as talents are and Heroes of the Storm has 15 maps. This has one. It's very easy to figure out what's going on. Do you ever just get the temptation to go on Pokemon Unite and go, I want to make some children suffer? Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> if I could play that game with a mouse and keyboard, I, I bet you probably could. I, I don't like controlling it with the Switch which is what has thankfully kept mm-hmm. that from being an addiction. But if that wasn't the case, like, I could... I, I, I bet you I could destroy it in that game. I'm, I'm pretty confident in my mobile abilities. Good. Good. I, I just want you to be a problem to children. That's all. <laughs> I want you to bully them out of the genre so hard that they become fans of good games. Yes, that's that's the justification. There we go. Okay, okay. If the child cries enough, they will never find League. It's it's a public service. They can't read that it's free underneath all of their tears. (laughs) They will have to play games where reading is not necessary, like Mario or Yu-Gi-Oh. Why do you actually have to read in Yu-Gi-Oh? That's how the cards work. Name me one Yu-Gi-Oh! player that reads the fucking cards. 
I, I, but man, I can't even name one Yu-Gi-Oh player. Name me one time where they just play Pot of Greed and don't have to explain it. Okay, you know what? Fair enough. Alright, that's all I had for the league. What else you got? Um, so I got the urge because we were talking about and playing some racing games and I went back to play Crash Nitro Kart. Because you know, I I big love Crash Team Racing. Adore that game. I also really love Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled. And that has the Nitro Kart tracks in this. And I remember renting this game uh, at least once or twice. And remembering that the final boss was insanely difficult. Mm-hmm. Like, just absolutely brutal. He throws you on a track that you've never been on. It takes, like, five minutes to get through the full three laps of it. Uh, like, more like five and a half, six. Each lap is around two minutes or so. Um, throws out items. Has two ads that only exist to throw items at you and make sure that the homing on the missiles hits them instead of him. That actually sounds like a fun kart racer boss design. It's it's fucking crazy. Like it's well considered and sort of brutal. And um, I think the best way I can describe this game is I've been using backlogged a bit more and I've been just like posting my review thoughts immediately after I finish a game so I can just sort of remember how I felt about it. Mm -hmm. I think the best way to sum it up is my first paragraph of the review here. Okay. Imagine coming home after a long trip away. Everything is just as you left it as you approach your door, covered by an overwhelming sense of nostalgia. It feels right. It smells right. You're truly, finally home. But when you open the door, you notice immediately something is off. The legs of your dining room table are all different sizes. The lights have an odd tint to them. Your wife repeats the same three lines of dialogue often. The floor seems to be covered in invisible tar. Your staircase causes your knee to give out whenever you use it, which isn't painful but is kind of embarrassing and makes you not want to use the stairs. Everything is just very slightly off, but it's still home, so you go through it, and then people tell you that the final boss of your home will be horrible and you remember him being horrible, but he's not that bad if you nail the shortcut on two laps, and honestly, it's not that hard of a shortcut. Jungle Boogies felt less consistent than this one that you have an actual vertical leap for, so you are kind of just felt empty at the end. This is what it feels like to play Crash Nitro Kart. Yeah, a, a very relatable situation that everyone, everyone understands absolutely so it's just it's crash team racing but everything is just a little bit bad Mm. um your lines are a lot stiffer so you get a lot less flexibility in how you can take them and frankly just lets you improv less and makes it less of a fun accessible kart racer because you lack the ability to just sort of change things on the fly based on the situation. Um, Bosses are designed in a way that should be unfair, but they're not actually good enough at the tracks that if you can consistently hit shortcuts, they will always lose to you. Okay. Hmm. Um, 
you have to beat the entire game 100% to fight the final boss at all. And some of it is just agonizing because going off road in this game sucks. And they have those crash relic challenges where like you have to hit the time crates to freeze the timer to finish under a certain time. And it'll just throw crates off the beaten path in the off road zones that you just can't really do anything with. Mm hmm. It's the weird experience of everything is just a little bit bad. And it's not that it's bad that it's different from Crash Team Racing, but it's just not fluid or fun. And everything feels much, much slower is the issue, Mm. which for a racing game is a death knell. Like somehow you have less of an ability to control yourself and more time to think about how you have less ability to control yourself. Interesting. Because okay, it yeah. takes longer to get places, but you can't steer yourself as well in getting places. And you would think it would even out, but it doesn't. That's that's kind of hilarious, honestly. Uh, the I'll, interesting, I'll impressive, really. The interesting thing that this game adds are anti-gravity sections far before Mario Kart 8. Really? Yes. Yeah. No, this game has the full on like the tires become little hover thingies and you go up vertical surfaces. There's like a really cool set piece wherein they have a vertical clock and you go up it around the clock underneath its arms. That sounds sick. It's really, really sick. Uh, They had to remove it from Nitro Fueled. So this is like the one really cool gimmick that this has. Uh, You control like shit when you're doing it. I'm I'm shocked. You go slower. You don't maintain a boost very well. And uh, your ability to turn is like cut in half. Well, I I guess it had to walk so that Mario Kart 8 could slightly jog? Yeah, like, it's a game with legitimately good ideas, marred by the fact that it does every single one of them mediocre, but it's also copying off of my favorite homework that's ever existed for a racing game. (laughs) Uh, Fascinating. But also only 13 tracks. Why that specific number? Uh, because there are three per world, and then a final one. Oh, okay, okay, so it's a final boss, kind of. Uh, that makes sense, that makes sense. Yes. Which is weird, because the PlayStation game had 18? Well, yeah, they had to... Like... They had to cut down due to the massive size of this weird macho crash man's biceps that that takes that's a lot of polygons in these renders oh dude oh crunch i love crunch (laughs) he's dumb and i love him but yeah it's it's an interesting game it actually does fun things with the crash lore because they divvy up the characters into teams and then they have the character entrance who has no friends because he is a weird egg boy, but he knows hypnotism. So he hypnotizes your friends and some of Cortex's minions to be on his team. So you just get like Dingo Dial in a dinky little helmet and cross-eyed being like, I love racing. 
And you have the little polar bear that you ride doing the same thing. Nice. Okay. Like, it's just cute and clever sometimes. I, I do definitely... I'd rather have a bad, fun game than a uh, fun, boring one, if that makes any sense. It, for these and I don't know which ideas. one this is. <laughs> like, it is a... I am having the approximation of fun. It is like... It is the veggie patty of racing games. Wherein they are not even really trying to approximate meat, but are selling it to you like they are. Okay. Is it healthy for you then? Using this? <laughs> Less than eating the actual meat, actually. <laughs> But you'll feel better because it's on the GameCube. <laughs> I don't know. I I think I toughed this out. I don't think I like this game, but at the same time, I don't hate this game. Like, it's I don't even want to say it's fine because it's not fine. But sometimes I can almost feel like I'm having fun. Is it I a almost Sonic feel like six kind of enjoyment in that way? Where no, okay, okay, no, it's like it's like when Sonic Heroes gaslights you into thinking it's going to be a good game at the very start. Oh yeah, there that that's all you needed to say. I I hundred percent understand. I love Sonic Heroes. It's a terrible game. I don't even love Sonic Heroes. Psych Heroes is the first great gaming heartbreak of my career. Because then you get to the rail grinding level and you're like, this level is shit. But the music oh my is God. so good, though. It's not. Yes, it is. I'm oh, sorry. Did you say the soundtrack? Yes. Okay. Yes, the soundtrack is good. Okay. Okay. You, you scared me there for a second. <laughs> I thought you said it's so good, though. I, I, said, go, I said no, the music it's is not. so good. <laughs> oh yeah, the music's great. Yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Oh yeah, 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 no, no, no. Like, please, Frog Forest is a banger of a track. But, but you don't like going through the same levels four times with mediocre differences between all of them. You don't love the weird chaotic objectives where they'll just hide one bullshit candle somewhere where you would never expect it to be. Yeah. Is it better or worse than Mickey USA? Oh, it's better than Mickey USA. Like, at least it functions oh yeah this looks and has like, fun than Mickey USA. Oh, oh yeah 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 definitely like th there's like thought and a feel and it has the combo counter right on the screen so you feel good you're like i gotta maintain this and then for some reason the game takes it away from you you're like what what did i do i'm sorry <laughs> but yeah uh crash nitro cart it's a game Indeed it is. Uh, my next bit's going to be pretty long, and it's like a connected at the hip sort of thing, so you go. You yeah, go. I'll, I'll grab another one. Okay, okay. Um, uh, a lot of what I played this... Well, like these last two weeks, as it's been that long from the last minute. It has just been uh, finishing up the things I was playing last time, so I beat all those... Age of Empires 2 campaigns, and it's actually given me something <laughs> that I kind of really want to talk about. I think it's going to be a little fun conversation. You want uh, to talk about Age of Empires 2? Damn, what a concept. I know, shocking. 
But no, do you I, think I, I we could to... go a single podcast without talking about Age of Empires two or Mario Party? Uh, oh, both? No, maybe, one or the other, maybe, but both combined, not not possible. Com- mm-hmm. That is a uh, shot in the dark dream. Uh, but I, I talked actually... about the Zelda movie. We talked about the Zelda movie last time. Yeah, for like thirty seconds. That's all you really need yeah. to talk about it. But uh, I'm actually wanting to talk more about a broader uh, tradition with RTS games in general with this this segment because they actually did something pretty interesting here. Okay, okay, um, me. Y- you've played Warcraft three, right? That's the one RTS yes. you're familiar with. Yes. How much do you remember uh, the allies being helpful in that game? Like when you're trying to save Grom, how's Jaina doing? When you're that final battle against the tree. Uh, I remember the tree battle being cool as hell. It was very cool, uh, yes. Actual allies being helpful? No. It's a uh, issue that has plagued RTSs for essentially their entire existence. It's a, a really good way of making a uh, RTS battle feel more grand is having various different factions and allies helping you out. Mm-hmm. But they never seem to land uh, figuring out how to make those allies useful or effective. You'll, you'll have one of three things happen. They are either going to just not do anything. They're like, mm-hmm. they give an illusion of being there, but it's really just a blob on your minimap that's a different color and it just stays there. Uh, mm-hmm. They require babysitting because if they lose, they're you lose the objective, so it just becomes a very ha- huge hassle trying to make sure that, oh, we gotta, gotta make sure Jaina's fort doesn't die, cause, or otherwise we gotta start this whole thing over again. Mm-hmm. Or the ally is just going to betray you halfway through. That's, like, 90% of Age of Empires allies before this point. Right. Uh, but with this newest expansion specifically, they did something neat by trying to hunker down and just really figure out, okay, this is weird, how do we figure this out? And they do this in a lot of interesting ways. Uh, many missions start with very neat choices. Like, for example, like I can't remember what the... I think it's the Thoros campaign? Where he'll ha- have him choose between two of his brothers. One of them is a uh, really hothead, aggressive, like, okay, I want to go defeat the, the Byzantines or whatever it is he's fighting. And the other one's a very much more of a cowardly, okay, I'm got, I, will just, I just want to stay safe in defense. You can immediately, at the start of the mission, choose between, okay, do I want an ally that's going to protect my flanks, or do I want one that's going to join me in battle? Which immediately creates a really good replay value for the mission, and actually mm-hmm. kind of creates this air of just, oh, okay, are these actually going to be interesting this time? Let's figure this out. Right. But on top of that, they have uh, <laughs> essentially made allies more interesting by giving you some semblance of control over them, which is, okay. while still making it feel like you are fighting alongside someone else. Like, you can ping various areas of the minimap to be like, okay, we gotta go attack here, and they'll actually listen to you for once. You can use the in-game chat commands to tell them which enemy to target, or what kind of composition they should be building, which is really, really, really uh-huh. fascinating. Mm-hmm. And they're actually, like, active in what you tell them to do, which, in a game like, in RTS games especially, can create some really interesting dynamics. Because the way that most RTS games function is that you kind of need a mixed composition of various different units. Like, you need your frontline kind of tanking, you need the damage in back, you need a few spellcasters. Mm-hmm. But you always kind of have to have that, that nice mix. But if you have an ally with you, who's already providing some of those roles, you can focus on some really interesting strategies, because you don't have to fill all of them yourself. 
Like an example I give, I'd give is that in Age of Empires you can use monks to convert enemy units. You know the whole Wololo meme and all that. I'll pretend I do. Good. <laughs> so with with those, they're very very squishy. So you usually need a big army in front of them, and they take a lot of micromanagement because you have to individually target each one to various enemies. But when you have an ally with you, you can completely focus on that little micromanagement game. Of being like, okay, I'm, I'm, you get this one, you get this one, you get this one. It creates a really fun... Uh, carving a chunk out of the RTS experience and letting you focus solely on that to exploit it to its fullest potential. Like, if you just really want to micromanage or you really want to build up defenses, they've built this up to a point where you can essentially focus on whatever your preferred playstyle is and your ally will naturally fill the gaps. Which is fascinating. I love that. It makes them feel actually valuable to have alongside you. And that opens up some new design space by making it so, like, uh, one of the missions features... Uh, you gotta help... Uh, what? I'm gonna miss this pronunciation. I think it's Babur of... Is it the Bengalis? Or the Tamils? King of the Elephants? I think... I think he's... I think that character's actually named after this figure from Indian history. I, okay. I think that there's, like, an actual correlation there. But anyway, he's a useless ally at first, and you see how he's performing. Like, oh, okay, I gotta babysit this one. They were doing good for a moment. But his whole objective is that, okay, I need to recapture my city of Samarkand. And once you do that, he's like, okay, I have my resources now. Let me steamroll through the rest of the map for you. Which is just some really cool, fun little objective rewards from an RTS that you just don't see very much because people are so scared of messing with it with AI allies. Right, cool. right. I love that. I want to, I wanted to see more design space with that. So it kind of tied to this segment. I also wanted to try out just see if any other game had uh, explored this. Mhm. Mm so I uh, checked out some uh, StarCraft 2 uh, mods my find. Sorry, I'm just trying to get to no, I get you, I get you. There we go, to see if somebody else had tried to explore this idea. And I found one called, very creatively called StarCraft II Fight with Ally mod. Which okay. takes this a little bit deeper. Instead of just having like, okay, you've got essentially a player 2 and a player 3 fighting alongside you. Now, you're kind of this player 0. You don't have a base. There's no like economy management or like capturing objectives or anything like that. you're just commanding a small strike force while an ai player goes through the starcraft 2 campaign and is trying to like is, is basically taking on the role that the player would normally do in a regular run of the game okay all right yeah no i'm i'm familiar with like those episodes where like jimmy is uh going through a base with a limited number and the objective is just survive the base kind of like that but it's alongside like the actual starcraft 2 mission right 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 you're, you're the third party that comes in midway through the map is like can we help exactly exactly yeah and and that's very interesting especially for a game like starcraft because there's a lot there's some really hyper focused extremely powerful spellcasters in these games like, get the High Templar and all that, they can just delete an entire army of units, but they're balanced by the fact that you have to uh, balance micro them around with every other thing you have to do in StarCraft. 
mm-hmm. if your ally is doing all of those things, though, you can just focus solely on controlling, like, a highly elite focused group of spellcasters or a bunch of stealth units. Which, like, that's been a really cool aspect of this because stealth is kind of useless in these games. Well, not useless in these games. It has very niche applications because there's so much detection. Mm-hmm. It can you, you have to focus solely on them to be effective with them because the second they're always right. really, really fragile and if they get caught, they're dead. Mm-hmm. With this, though, all the allies are doing all that work for you. So you can just perfectly create this... It's a weird power fantasy that most RTSs don't allow for of just kind of enabling an ally to uh, have the regular RTS power fantasy of just leading a giant army and the enabling of just being like, oh yeah, look at them just spread over the map. I did that. I'm very proud of it. It's really cool. It's a very satisfying dynamic. I'd love to see more games. I am so glad that finally a game has fulfilled your dream of being Gandalf coming in with the eagles. Okay, but unironically, that is like a solid dream of mine. I didn't oh, say God. it without purpose. Oh, but like an actual RTS of just like like a Lord of the Rings RTS or something. Oh, can I get a Battle for Middle Earth mod like this? That would be really uh, cool. I, I like being able to hit the Duke serotonin button or the Duke revulsion <laughs> button whenever I want. Puppets uh, are rad. <laughs> indeed, indeed. It's also just a very nice retooling of the StarCraft II story, which I don't very li- li- like a lot. It's a very long and boring story that is just Warcraft 3's The Burning Legion 2.0. But by making it into okay. this, okay, you're playing as the third faction... Instead of, like, gathering all these disparate factions to slowly build up and become your unit choices for the rest of the game, mm-hmm. the allies you gain actually become separate bases that will fight alongside you. So you're slowly gaining more and more players to aid as this special ops forces kind of deal. Which is, is so much better than the base version of the campaign. It's so satisfying to be like, oh yeah, we just we helped Jimmy out in this one mission and he's going to be just gone for the rest of it no now he's actually joining alongside you he'll have a little his own little terran base in the corner and he'll help you out through the rest of the mission and i really like that it's very cute that's a good like little advancement for that yeah yeah uh it, it does mean that at the end you've got like seven different allies helping you simultaneously and computers aren't designed to have that many units active on the screen and that's kind of i think i had like 15 fps by the end of it but it was fun i enjoyed it Ah, uh, damn, you're almost at the level of playing Banjo-Tooie on original hardware. Almost, almost. We'll, 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 eight more allies, and we'll get there. We'll get there. You'll hit that consistent 12 FPS benchmark that Banjo is famous for. I, I look forward to it. Gonna love it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I have a small note here. Just, just to kind of wrap this up. Okay. This mod tries to put a lot of, like, flavor text like dialogue between the characters talking with each other because like there's a lot of characters that are here now that just weren't in the base game which mm-hmm. i love as a cute concept but i i don't know if it's a second language or very young but they're kind of written like a uh, how do i put this like a high school harem anime kind of scripts just lots of ellipses. You'll get, like, the weird emoticons of just the the period, W period, to denote, like, emotions and stuff. 
which in a comparatively oh, you get ooh, ooh? yes, which in a comparatively you serious, what can we get go ooh, th- ooh? there is a Protoss OC in this campaign that is just that, and it's hysterical. I love this. This is my favorite character. <laughs> oh, oh, Mr. Wayne, are you so big and strong? I don't oh, like wow. Alarak. He's really mean. I'm going to be like, ha, you died every time his hero dies. It's it's so cringy, but it's really funny. It's not like I liked when you destroyed that base or anything. It wasn't cool at all. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this took that word but- for word. That time that you rushed in with all the Zergs and went keck, 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 keck. I wasn't aroused, even slightly. You wouldn't be cool in real life at all if you did that. Your ability to be good at StarCraft II isn't at all attractive. Idiot. It's a little less Sundere and more the... The... If I say any aggressive words, I'll explode. I'm really meek. Please help. Oh, me. I, I, I know. I'm evolving the script for you. I'm, I'm creating. Oh, oh the okay, okay. You're, you're getting the other. I'm, I'm creating other the Sundere yeah, Zerg. We, we need, we need the Terran OC and the the Zerg OC. I, I like where your brain's going with this. As soon as mm-hmm. they make the Zerg campaign version of this, we're, we're going to see that character there. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Uh but yeah, fun ideas. Yeah. I'd love to see an RTS specifically designed around this kind of format because. It's it's interesting seeing the genre try to tackle, like, various... Like, how Warcraft 3 is kind of half an RPG and half an RTS with how that campaign is designed. I, I really love seeing explorations like that. I agree. I like it more than playing actual Warcraft 3. Hey, same, same. It's it's why that game's so good. Yeah, was. Rest in peace. Man. And so, someday we'll be able to evolve and be like, damn... Starcraft really came around when they added the Sundrasilisk. Don't, don't speak that into existence. <laughs> We're in a timeline where that's like no thirty percent more look, likely to happen. Look, I have tried to will two things into existence for this past month, and that is the Sundrasilisk and also shipping Igus with Luigi for some reason. I just wanted to see if I could make it happen. I. Huh. You've seen my work. No, yeah, I. There, there was the initial gut reaction of "huh," but then like, I, okay, I, that literally came about because I said the words "I guess" and I thought I said it too fast. <laughs> and I'm like, I know like, it has to be Luigi. done. <laughs> Weirdly, kind of works. Okay, I, I got two more segments, so do one of your longer ones, and I'll, and we'll we'll go back and forth. Uh, mine are like tight at the, I have to talk about them at the same time. So do one of yours and then I'll do mine. I will do one more then. So, uh, I'll just put the trailer on loop for this because it's a really good trailer. Uh, The reason I I said it was because the line was Luigi does machines, I guess. (laughs) Okay. That was the phrase. I thought it was funny. And you know what? I still think it's funny. I do as well. It was a good joke. I think they're a cute couple. So, uh, last month, I mentioned that Teamfight Tactics was doing some... Like, I, by the way, I've been playing this game every month. I just don't mention it very much because I run out of things to talk about. But as I discussed last time, the latest set of Teamfight Tactics drop, and it's themed after music. 
I have now played it, and the results were so impressive that I need to talk about them. So, recapping what it was, uh, and just what this game is, Teamfight Tactics is an auto-battler. Like, you place units on the board, you equip them with items, you find duplicates of the units to combine them into stronger versions, and every round you fight a board of units from another player. Like, your board goes against their board, and they just duke it out, and you see who wins. Every unit has a trait assigned to them. Like, uh, you'll have, like, a guardian trait, where, like, every one, one, for every unit you have that trait, they'll give a progressively stronger shield to each other when their health hits half health. Or you'll have a gunner trait that constantly attacks faster every time they attack. Like, simple strategic things like that that creates a very, uh, very card deck builder kind of fun of just trying to build a board with compatible traits. I'm just kind of experimenting to see what works with each other. Teamfight Tactics has done a lot of sets like this because with all the skins that League characters have, it's very easy to just be like, okay, now we're doing sci-fi now. Everyone's wearing their sci-fi skins. They've done they've done classic fantasy. They've done, like, kaiju heroes versus monsters. I, I'm familiar with how Gotcha works. I do own Luigi with the big sausage in Mario Kart Tour. Yeah, exactly. You understand. You understand. Man, a Mario auto battle would actually be pretty cool. Anyway, anyway, uh, for this set, for the 10th set, considering how important music has been to keep League popular, they themed it after, like, the various music bands they've created, the KDAs, the Pentakills, and all that, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is already, like, a neat concept. It's a literal battle of the bands. Instead of your unit traits being, like, themed after, like, roles, you'll have the, you'll have the disco unit trait that spawns a disco ball that heals units near them. The metal band gets stronger for every unit they defeat. The hip-hop band does true damage, because they're called mm -hmm. true damage, which is just kind of hilarious. That in and of itself would be fun. But the team behind this game went so, so much further than the extra mile. Anytime you have enough units on the board to activate their traits the background music will start to evolve based on your units. This is only, like, an aesthetic change. It doesn't, like, affect the gameplay at all. Mm -hmm. But holy shit, it is the coolest aesthetic change of any game ever. Like, okay, example. Say I start with, like, the disco trait. It kicks up a nice funky beat in the background that I'm kind of already moving my shoulders to in my seat because the music is all phenomenal. But as I level up more and can fit more units onto my board, I start building towards a magic damage composition, and that naturally puts some jazz units on my board. Mm -hmm. So now that bopping bass disco track in the background has a really funky saxophone solo going as well. Tossing a few pop music champions that are adding a weird auto-tuned, not lyrics, but kind of like an acapella, just kind of lyric beats going on at yeah. the same time. Yeah. And this is on top of the music naturally changing as the matches progress as well. Like, as the game goes on, the music evolves to become more and more frantic as the stakes are getting higher and higher. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm already listening to, like, a solid contender for one of the best OSTs of this year when I find the rare, powerful, one-kind, classic violin soloist. So now on top of everything, there's just a beautiful, powerful violin solo going on, taking the lead for this disco jazz pop music and for somehow it all works really well that's actually really incredible like we we see versions of this with a lot of things like getting the band together in mario odyssey or just any time where you slowly start adding instruments to a track the ability to have it be that level of modularity is really incredible in indeed indeed i 
they, they said a number at some point, but there's like 30 or 40 different songs kind of overlaying into each other. I know there's like 15 separate musical traits, like styles. You'll have country, you'll mm-hmm. have you'll have an EDM band. And those mix together. And it's weird, but it's you're kind of nodding along to this just because you haven't really heard anything mm-hmm. like this. The metal punk band is amazing. You'll get just... Some units are just based around, okay, we're just going to add a sick beat to whatever you put us in, and it's completely compatible with any other combination. And one of the coolest things about it is that if you go to check out other people's boards, the music that plays as you're looking at their board will naturally fade into whatever the music is that, like, matches what their board is going for right now. Oh, nice. Yeah, normally you're just, like, scouting them out to figure out what the strategies are, but then you're just kind of, oh, wow, this is a... This is a country punk kind of combination. I didn't think this would work, but I'm kind of feeling this. Yeah. It's it's just, it's one of the coolest game design things I've ever seen. Like, I'd always give, like, a kind of passive recommendation to this game just because it's a nice, simple, like, play for 20 Mm -hmm. minutes. It's on a phone. Got the nice addictive qualities of those card deck builders, but... I would highly recommend everyone watch it right now just to try out a few games, just to experience that kind of constantly evolving soundtrack. Like, it doesn't matter if you enjoy the game, but that kind of impressive feat of video game artistry is something that I feel like you just gotta experience to really appreciate fully. Duke, you are introducing crack to the children. I know. You you are like, hey kids, watch me do the six sack solo. Anyway, would you like to inject the syringe directly into your arm? They're already playing Fortnite and League. I'm getting them away from League to the best. This league. audience? This audience? Yeah, no, I've got a lot of Fortnite players in my audience. It's weird. I don't know where where the correlation there is. It's the crossover. It's, I, I, I'm a Smash Brothers creator. It's the crossover element. But yeah, yeah, but a lot of them like aren't happy about it. They're like, "Yeah, I play Fortnite. It's <laughs> mid." Anyway, talk about how freaking Snake is good in Smash Brothers, but again, no, most of them don't agree with us, though. It's it's very sad. Most of them agree with us, except my stupid opinion on Mega Man. That's <laughs> that's true. But I am taking 100% of your aggro right now. Except from the Xenoblade fans. I'm only taking like 50% of that. Only 50? I gotta step it up, man. I haven't hated on Xenoblade in so long. What is wrong with me? I don't know. You know, Xenoblade 3 is a lot like an auto-battler. In that you don't even have to play it to win. Oh no, are you kidding me? An auto-battler, you have to do way more than Xenoblade 3. That's very true. Like, you actually have to occasionally press the mouse button to choose your new champions. Like, that's like a solid, like, three clicks per battle there. That's like triple the amount for Xenoblade. It's crazy. Anyway, fun game. Would recommend. At least check out the soundtracks. Because, like, it's really cool just to see how the different things mesh together. All right. I only have one more, Alrighty. so now you go. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Let's roll. So getting a Steam Deck has been really great because 
Uh, first off, it has ruined my ability to play the Switch because it's like twice as heavy. So every time I pick up the Switch, I'm like, this is a baby toy. <laughs> this feels like <laughs> air. We said blue, blue and red baby toy. I hear the sounds and the cow goes moo. This is a, my big, dark, sleek, portable console for men. Uh, but it's a, don't. it allows me to dive into a lot of different series that I didn't get the chance to access at all or live games. I'm like, that'd be great. I'd love to play it. I have no ability to play this video game. Mm. And I'll big one for me one that i really wanted to and never got the chance to play and now have completed is psychonauts 2 please tell me about this game because i anytime i see it i just know i would probably enjoy it but i just never how much do you know about psychonauts i know they jump into people's minds it's it's kind of a okay so you haven't played psychonauts 1 at all no i have not okay um this is a direct direct sequel to the vr game that no one played which is a direct direct sequel to psychonauts one um okay from the beginning of psychonauts one to the end of psychonauts two i believe less than a week has passed in universe okay so it's a very very direct story um psychonauts has always been an utterly fascinating product because it's developed by double fine and tim schaefer uh big pioneer on the early days of adventure games mm. big voice behind the original monkey island titles and grim fandango and those sorts of games um wickedly utterly incredibly creative games um the issues with psychonauts one were twofold one it was an xbox exclusive and 3d platformers were going out of vogue while psychonauts 2 was being developed mm-hmm. which means that xbox got cold feet and basically killed all marketing for the game so it sold really really badly mm-hmm and two, it's a 3D platformer where the platforming is kind of rubbish. Yeah, like, that, that checks out from what I've seen. It's very janky. Momentum is really weird. None of your jumps really feel all that confident. You kind of have very slow airtime. Um, your ability to move, you actually get a neat little talent trot equivalent in the form of levitation mm-hmm. that works. And it's decently fun, but it doesn't really work in um, a lot of the design for the game. The difference is that Psychonauts has some of the best level design and most clever writing in any game ever. Okay. Like, it's just insanely smart in how it presents levels. Uh, The most famous one, obviously, being the one where you go into the mind of a conspiracy theorist and are in a suburbia called the Milkman Conspiracy, wherein you have to do a stealth mission on G-Men who are pretending to be individuals just barely functioning with uh, their roles because everything is a conspiracy. And they have wonderful lines of dialogue like, I am a housewife. Though my husband will desire me less sexually in time, he will always enjoy my pies. Mm-hmm. 
how do you do, fellow road worker? I'm working on the road, and they will be hitting the road with a stop sign like the ham, like a hammer. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Wickedly clever. The ability to introduce concepts like depression, internal self-loathing, and grief over a loved one's suicide to children is insane. And to make it funny on top of that? Wow. Utterly incredible. Um, Bad game, kind of a masterpiece. Best kinds. Like, oh my god. Um, so Psychonauts 2 has a lot to live up to. Uh, Psychonauts 1 was actually the first game that I played off of Steam. And uh, playing that game on keyboard and mouse made it even worse. Oh no. So I don't have the... St- oh yeah. There was a blip. A blip oh yeah, yeah I saw it. I saw it. You're clear. Access. Am I here now? Are we here? Yeah, you're here. You're exi- you exist. Okay, go back like 20 seconds. Okay, okay, okay. So, Psychonauts 2. Um, it has a lot to live up to, and it is better than Psychonauts 1 in almost every way, unless you have a really personal connection to Psychonauts 1. The issue is that everything it does is an absolute masterpiece, with like two asterisks next to it. Oh, not just one, but two. It's <clears throat> the opening level is one of the most creative that you can imagine. Uh, it is you have trapped a villain inside of a mental construct of being an office worker in order to give him a promotion so that you can interrogate him about what he does not what uh, he won't tell you in the real world. This sounds phenomenal but the it slowly breaks down and he is a dentist so slowly the office starts being overcome with gums and teeth and braces nightmarishly warping around each other i think it's called lobato's labyrinth is the stage name oh my gosh this imagery jeez I know it'll have a it has the elongated hallway where you're running at him. and It's like, why are you taking so long? And the hallway will stretch out before you as he goes into the background like you're going into an optical illusion and trying to platform through it. Mm -hmm. It has rail grinding on braces, a slide on teeth. It is one of the most visually incredible things. Platforming is better than Psychonauts 1, but still not great. Um, Combat still sucks. Like, Ah. it is still bad. Every time that combat happens, it feels like an elongated thing. You have a three-hit combo, and most enemies will interrupt you in the second hit. Uh, You just don't get feedback tactilely from enemies unless you hit them with their weaknesses. But the issue is you can only map four of your powers to your uh, buttons. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, have to delve into just a little quick menu to remap your buttons, which doesn't sound bad, but you're doing it very constantly. And of course, you'd like to have powers available for traversal and the like, because that gives you the good movement. Mm -hmm. So you really only have like 
two buttons to spare. It's just it's something that constantly takes me out of the experience when I feel like they could have mapped a better solution for it. It definitely seems like a game where the actual gameplay side of things probably had the lowest priority compared to everything else. And I don't see it as a bad thing. It's just that it doesn't. Oh, I think that the gameplay had a lot of thought put into it. Definitely. Oh, combat. Yes. Oh, but it still improves it from Psychonauts one. I was in Psychonauts one. It was bad. Uh, and just like it, I struggle with it because like the overall plot is fantastic, but they introduce too many characters and don't know what to do with them for a massive amount of the game. So they just kind of disappear and then they show up at the end and it feels really unearned mm. that like all your friends are helping you with the final boss. You haven't seen them in 12 hours and all the characters you've been bonding over with those 12 hours aren't here. Even though they really should be. I know this game was kind of stuck in development hell for a very long time. So I wonder if this is a case of ambition outpacing what they wanted the game to be. Oh, you can tell that they ran out of kickstarted budget at times mm. like you can very much tell where their incredible ambitions are going up against the limitations of what they're able to unfortunate unfortunate it but at the same time i'm like okay i'm not really having fun with the platforming Except in small spurts, I'm not really having fun with the combat ever. But goddamn, a video game has never let me 3D platform around the concept of alcoholism before. And it hits that note really, really hard. Uh, does it have like a kind of drunk goggles effect around the over the platforming or? No, it is. The man is isolated in a sea where he is on an island and the island is created by giant bottles that he is trying to isolate himself with. And every time you go to another island, you are met with another NPC that you know in the game who will tell you why they don't want to associate with that loser. It is you are going over the sea of your own drowned sorrows Damn. Talking to people, giving their opinion of why the person internally thinks that everyone else hates them. That that's strong. And that's the that's like the hub of the area. That's not going into the bottles to going through all of the trauma that they are repressing and keeping away from them because they don't want to get hurt again. They, they, they can do all that and not put enough budget into the combat. <laughs> yeah, and then the combat's like, uh... 
And the frustrating part is they can do platforming well. There's a whole open area called the questionable area, which is like platforming through the mystery shack in Gravity Falls and the town of Gravity Falls. It's just this open area full of little mini platforming challenges where you just do collectathon shit. And it feels really, really good. And there's no combat, so it's great. Okay. Oh my gosh, I'm just watching a spinning... It's it's like a slide level, but they're just spinning rings of teeth as it's going down yes. the slide. Yes. My God. The Absolutely. Um, go ahead and look up the stage Psy King's Sensorium. How do I spell that? P-S-I King yeah, and then Sensorium. Got it. Go ahead and look at that. Uh, let's skip around to let people... What am i watching you are platforming through yellow submarine i uh, everything is eyes yes because he and space loves his senses and you're platforming through the eyes part of him because he, he there's a boss battle against sight. a panic he attack. can hear colors yes it is he is overwhelmed by his senses, so you have to fight the panic attacks that he has. Gosh. This character is voiced by Jack Black, and he has a musical number at the end. What? <laughs> this game is incredible. Okay, I apologize to the live audience, but we're going to skip around this for a second, because... Oh my god! I, I, yeah, like, what... Were they just perpetually on acid while designing this game? This is amazing! It's... I know. There is another level that is a game show... Which it plays on the ideas of pressure and anxiety of everyone watching you and demanding you perform. It has some of the funniest dialogue I have ever heard. So what you're saying is that this is the exact kind of game that you don't necessarily want to play, but you need to watch someone else play it. I think that even playing it, it's still pretty good. It's just every so often I am taken out of it. Every so often I can feel the parts where the game doesn't get to where it's going. I can see the constant cracks in it. But the strengths that it possesses make it an absolute masterpiece. That sometimes has like stretches of like 30 minutes that aren't very good. Hmm. And the best part, it like it has an overarching plot that I think is fucking great. It plays on a mystery. It had me screaming at the screen at a character's actions because they did a really bad thing. They made a big fucky wucky and they are incredibly resentful of it and they hurt every day from it. And you can see the pain. You can feel it. The voice acting in this game is immaculate. Please say the fucky wucky is a line from the game. No, they don't. They don't curse. <laughs> Please understand that this 
They're saying this in dialogue that could be understood by children. Please understand, with about the maturity level of, say, Billy and Mandy or Courage the Cowardly Dog, it is addressing, you want a platform through self-imposed alcoholism? That's... I, I don't have words. That's just... Wow. Yeah, um, if you're remotely interested in this game, play it. I can't promise that it will be the best game that you have ever played. In fact, I think it is very, very flawed. But if it resonates with you, the heights that it gets to are insane. And on art direction alone, this is one of the most beautiful games I have ever seen. I could go down every single individual level. I haven't even touched the final level. Okay, at, at this point, don't spoil it because I I like, won't genuinely I don't want to play this. No, I I don't dare to. But like, please understand, I was popping off at that level. Uh, also, do understand you will be very lost if you do not know the plot of Psychonauts one. Okay, okay, good to know. Good to know. So there is homework, but also Psychonauts one is like this fantastically written game too. Like it is debatable which of these games are written better. Because they are serving different purposes. Okay. Like, Psychonauts 1 is about going into broke people that society has deemed broken and listening to them and their hearts. Psychonauts 2 is listening to people in society who have been broken by their actions and by the world around them and trying to let them reintegrate what was good about themselves before. Wow, all right. Those are not the heavy themes I would expect looking at the general character designs and everything else about this game. Yeah. And Billy Horvitz kills it as Raz. Freaking invaders, I'm sorry. Richard Horvitz. I always call him Billy Horvitz because he voices Billy and Billy and Mandy. Oh, okay. And uh, also Invader Zim. Has an insane amount of dialogue. Kills it. And then they give him like this little um, side character that's like, you could project a little mini you. And it's voiced by Gurr. Uh -huh. And I'm like, e it's so cute. <laughs> I love it. Nice. He's like, he's like, hello, figment of my imagination. I'm an airplane now. Ah, oh, that's so cute. You think you have feelings. <laughs> <sighs> this game is great. And, oh my, my God. The issue is that I played another 3D platformer called Pseudo Regalia. I've never heard of this one before. It came out just this year. It is a 3D platformer Metroidvania. Oh. We're in you are thrown into a large labyrinth and it's just like, OK, figure out how to get to the end of it. Um, This might be the best 3D platformer I've ever played when it comes to 3D platforming. Really? This might have the best movement of any 3D platformer I've ever had to describe to you how it feels. Um, You get an upgrade called the Sun Greaves. And they are your wall kick. You have 
three individual wall kicks that you can chain into a wall kick and you will go perpendicularly to however you are holding the stick when you kick off of that wall. Okay. This allows for the most insane feats of platforming wherein you see something, you look at that, and you go, I don't think I can get to that, but I might be able to. And you're able to kick off the walls in such a way that more often than not, nah, you are 100% able to. It is that feeling of Metroid of getting to the power bombs early, of getting to the ice beam early, that feeling of Spyro of gliding over the distance and going into an area that you thought was utterly inaccessible. You have one of the most fun slides I've ever dealt with. You have the Titanfall 2 wall run by the end. That's sick. Like, from a pure movement perspective, this game is just an infinitely expanding jungle gym to test just how far you can push yourself. Like, do you know that feeling that you got with uh, Mario Odyssey when in, I think it's, his name is Knucklemech, the big hand guy. There's that yes. big hand man with like the uh, South American inspired from yeah, the I, desert kingdom. I, yeah, under the, under the under the pyramid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's this big wall right next to him. And you have to slowly scale that wall. And it doesn't look like you're supposed to. Like, it's just random geometry. But at the top, there is a pile of coins that lets the developers know, yeah, we knew you could get here. Good job. (laughs) This is a game of that. All right. This is a massive labyrinthine game of that. Um, I unabashedly love this game. Combat is not very good, but guess what? It's better than Psychonauts 2. I skipped forward in the video, and uh, a lot of these moves... Wow! They're failing to platform right now, but the the tools they're using... Oh, yeah. These constant wall jumps. That's so cool! The feel of this game is incredible. I hit the button, and I'm like, oh, this is the good jump. This is this is how it feels to have a good jump, and I have missed this. I will outright say, like, the only platformers that come close to this, for me, in level of flexibility of your moveset, are Sunshine and Titanfall 2, and that's it. And this, I think, is better than them. Like, is this my favorite 3D platformer of all time? No, I like Head in Time more. I like Banjo more. I probably like Galaxy more, but I'd have to replay it. Um, does this game have some flaws? Yeah, there's no map. So you, if you're a person oh, no. who... Yeah, it is utterly massive. But guess what? I loved that. I loved the feeling of needing to remember where everything was. I loved the feeling of getting familiarity based on wandering. It felt good at the end of the game it does like the metroid prime you gotta fetch the keys to unlock the last area thing but it tells you roughly where they are and it gives you extra abilities that now you go back to these areas and you utterly dominate them you cleave through them like a hot knife through butter i'm just watching someone trying to do uh, 
a single platforming challenge over and over again, and the sheer amount of tools they have on display. Mm-hmm. God, this is impressive. I accidentally sequence broke this game like 20 times and then went back and did it the regular way. The, the game through like walkthrough I'm watching is only two hours long. Is this a very short game? Um, It took me about five hours to get through it. Okay. I felt pretty densely fulfilled by it. Okay, okay. Uh, combat's a bit loose, a bit like Dark Soulsy in how it works, where it feels like you're just kind of bouncing off the enemies with it and just waiting for their tells. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not the focus, and it's it doesn't feel like an interruption like it does in Psychonauts. I'm it, this is odd to me because Psychonauts Two is by far the more fulfilled game in all of its ambitions and what it's reaching to. Mm-hmm. But pseudo regalia is just so perfect in the one thing that it does as a 3d platformer that I can't help but adore it. They, they represent different parts of a dichotomy wherein one I am, I feel myself constantly wanting more, but the peaks are, Oh my God. Oh my God. And this one wherein I am fully satisfied and happy and impressed the entire time. Mm -hmm. Like this gave me the feeling of when I would go into games as a child and not exactly know where to go or how to do something because I was a child and I was stupid. And I didn't have a sense for games yet and games hadn't fully developed into what they would be yet. I felt lost and alone but I felt wonderful and I felt like I was just doing things that the game didn't intend for that the game absolutely intended for. I've, I've seen a lot of like, I, I love the like hitting the black hole things to keep yourself airborne, to like plan out your next. This looks so fluid. It is some, some um, Hollow Knight path of pain stuff right there. Yep, and if you're worried about this being a weird goat cat lady, don't worry, there is exactly one accessibility option for you, and it is to give the main character pants. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention it because of the PS1 graphics, but there, that was, there was definitely more of like, okay, you know, yeah, that, that's a character design. <laughs> yeah, don't worry, don't worry, we got you covered. I do um, love the art style, though. This is some, like, old-school, like, 3D model stuff. Yes. I love how it takes your eyes a bit to adjust to the frame rate of the character. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the way that it defines every motion, the way that it frames every key pose is so cool to me. But yeah, this game is, I believe, less than $10 to purchase. Um, it's a nice, quick sprint of a game. Um, you can get lost. I did not need a map to get through it, but um, I did see that uh, there is one guy who has made hand-drawn maps of this, and that's the only resource that the community has right now. But like, this is one of those games where you play and you feel like, damn, speedrunning this could be really fun. Oh, I would love to see a speedrun of this. Mm-hmm. How, how long do you think it would be? Just, just to, off top of your to, guesstimation. How, to beat it. In between. Oh, to beat it. 
maybe in between 20 and 30 minutes if there are like no major glitches. If there are major glitches, uh, hell if I know. But just, this gave me, this is a game that constantly made me slowly go under my breath. Fuck yeah, video games. (laughs) That's a good feeling. Like, oh, I love video games so much. Like, it feels dirty to say that I liked this more than Psychonauts 2, the game where you platform around the concept of alcoholism with the teeth labyrinth. But... but I think I like it more than Psychonauts 2. I think. <laughs> oh, oh, man. This in theater rhythm is a tough call for which game I liked more this year. Oh, really? Would this make your top 100 then? Yes, easily. This and Psychonauts 2, both easy up there. Damn, nice. Okay, cool. Like, I, I look at that and I see that Spyro the Dragon is in my top 100. And I go, no, this kicks Spyro's teeth in. I think Spyro is like a near perfect game in what it wants to do. This just takes the formula so much for I do love just 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 what I imagine this would feel like to master. Like this isn't a perfect playthrough. I've been watching this person fail a lot at these, but just the moment that they get the jumps perfectly placed, like God, that must feel so good. It is. That moment of, like, I thought I could do it, I did it. Is like, mm, this game is so good at that. $6 on Steam at the moment? Yeah, $6. $6. That's like a dollar per hour. Might as well. Yes, that game, again, is pseudo-regalia. Yeah, pseudo-regalia, separate words, easy to spell from there. Mm Mm-hmm. It should be in the timestamps later. Yep. Alrighty, and then that does it for me, because both of those games were long transformative experiences that I thoroughly enjoyed. Alright, I got one more. Yeah, 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 talk, talk about your nerdy real-time shit. I have a problem. Oh, this isn't real, well, I guess, I guess MOBAs did kill the real-time shit, and it's heartbreaking Hold on, I want I want to get some proper proper tournament footage up for this because I miss this competitive game so 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 much. So you know, so last month I played a bit of Heroes of the Storm for a video, and I mentioned I ended up having to uninstall it because I couldn't resist playing it. Uh, I lack self control. That lasted about two days. Two days. About two days. So, yeah, I have reinstalled that and I've been playing a disgusting amount lately. And you know what? I've realized that I adore this game. I think this is... I put it in, like... I did that top 25 thing recently. I put it at, like, the 12th spot. This is a top 5 game to me. I adore this game. Yeah, yeah, it's funny how those creep up on you. Right, you, you just go back to reviews and it's like, holy shit, this, this, this is how good this feels? Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah, that's what Pokemon Puzzle League is like. <laughs> when you're, like, good at video games. Mm-hmm. And I think I want to do like a proper deep dive into what makes this game special as both a MOBA and a crossover. Because I think every time I've mentioned this game before, I've just been like, yo, this is so fun. Look at all these crazy character designs. Which, like, it is, and they are. Mm-hmm. 
but I want to explain why it's actually worth praising from like a game design standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, how do I approach this? Uh, I I think to best explain the benefits of Heroes of the Storm, I need to explain some of the shortcomings of a regular MOBA. So, in a word, what I think the biggest problem with, like, League of Legends, Dota 2, the reason why they're so toxic and inaccessible is -hmm. that they are 5 versus 5 team-based games who are at their most fun when you were playing the individual power fantasy they provide. Like that, well, no, I think I think that the issue with them is that they are forty-minute games wherein you know who will win in the first seven minutes. Oh well, yeah, that too, that too, that too. Which here's the storm also fixes, but I I think that's what keeps people playing, despite that huge, just massive detriment against the game. Because when you actually get fed, when you get that power spike of being able to one v five a team, it feels incredible. <laughs> but you can only have that. If both the other team is suffering and your uh, allies kind of aren't getting to experience well. Like, you want to be able to not need your allies, which is a very weird vibe to have for a game that's supposed to be based around a, this 5v5 format. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there also is, like you said, that huge, just massive time sinks. I, I, used, I didn't play League of Legends much, but I did play Heroes of New Earth, which was kind of the contemporary back in, like, 2009 to 2012-ish. Mm-hmm. You used to be able to compete with it, but like I'd have games that lasted like hour, an hour. I think the longest one I ever had was like an hour and a half. It, those games have really significant periods of downtime, like the kind of Mexican standoffs between both sides, because there's always the chance to get a little stronger by just farming up more gold in the jungle or in the lanes or whatever. And if you lose, mm-hmm. like that could just snowball the entire game. So they just kind of have both sides just kind of waiting for the other side to make a move, and that can last so, so, so long. And also, because if there's a, somebody getting that 1v5 fantasy, they don't want the game to end, so they'll keep you trapped in the game because they want to keep playing right. you. And that's just not fun. But then enter Heroes of the Storm, which tackles these problems in a lot of really clever ways. Uh, for one, right off the bat, all experience is shared. You, you physically cannot have the individual power fantasy because your team is always growing as strong as you are. So right off the bat, your team is always on an equal level that encourages just that kind of, okay, we're together because we're all about at an equal power level. It also heavily rebalances the roles. Uh, healers and tanks are way stronger in this specific game at doing their jobs. Uh, healers in particular can heal about as much as a DPS can dish out, which just doesn't really happen in other MOBAs. Mm-hmm. It actually tries to embrace like that kind of the, the the proper sort of like MMO uh, traditional like role slots, like your tank healer, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it what that does is it allows those roles to be able to make plays that are just as impressive as a DPS leading the entire team. Oftentimes more impressive. Like, there's some fights I've had in this game where I'll have to be kind of looking around after the dust has settled, being like, how how are we all still alive? On a player, you are an absolute god for landing every single one of your skill shots there. It, it lets everyone have those cool moments just recontextualized in what they're supposed to be. The, the tank can grab their DPS when they weren't expecting them and just toss them into the enemy team. Even people that want to, like, 
just farm experience and split push can like really make important plays by being where the opponent is not. It it, it results in that power fantasy still existing, but only when working together when everyone is playing their role properly, which you know is the fucking point of the MOBA. It's the five versus five. Would you say that um direct action in this game things like aiming and being in the right place to hit lines is that more important in hots than it is in other mobas i would say that hmm, on a micro level it's about equal like you all everyone has that okay. kind of same uh, just okay this skill shot you gotta land this perfectly like it, there's a lot of similar kits across every single moba in that kind of way. right Yes, yes, yes. Uh, on a macro level, though, it is uh, significantly more important here because Heroes of the Storm has, uh, for one, 15 different maps that all have these separate objectives. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, for example, you'll have uh, uh, Braxis Holdout, which is a StarCraft map, where you'll, every, like, three minutes or so, there's these two control points will activate on opposite sides of the map. Um, mm-hmm. If you control both of them, you start slowly filling a percentage gauge that will slowly spawn more and more Zerg whenever one of those gauges hits 100%. Okay. And every map has something like this. These centrifi- centralized... Centrified? What was I saying there? Centralized objectives that forces the teams to come together and properly judge, like, okay, we need to... Com- to like compete over this we don't have a choice in the matter we need to be able to outposition, make sure we can capture both of these objectives because the mm-hmm. objectives are strong they will smash through your defenses which is really nice because that means that there is a uh, a quasi timer over every single game these games cannot last longer than 30 minutes because these objectives physically will not allow that to happen Mm-hmm. Your defenses cannot survive, like, three waves of the Zerg swarm on Brax's holdout. It can't survive, like, the Alliance charging on Alterac Pass. Like, it's a very nice way of just oh, making it so you can actually get to the next game, even if you're getting destroyed. And there's also a lot of nice... The way that experience balances out if you kill someone when you're on the back foot is significantly mm-hmm. greater than if you uh, kill someone when you're ahead. So there's a really nice... What's the word I'm looking for? Comeback mechanic? Comeback mechanic, in that way. So not only is the game uh, much shorter, it's also rarely over. You can get way more comebacks in this game specifically than you can with the likes of League of Legends or Dota okay. or whatever else. No, that that's good. The way that I've always felt MOBAs being in playing, you know, classic Dota and a little bit of League back mm-hmm. in the day was it always felt like um it was very much like uh MMO PVP where it felt like it is a competition of who hits their rotation first and best and who has the best kit of who hits their rotation first and best. Mm-hmm. And, and there and are And it feels like it's less that. No, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, there are elements of that, but it has to, like, every single person has to be completely in sync to land that kind of, like, okay, we caught you out of position and now you're just dead. Because mm-hmm. every person only has a part of that rotation. Like, you'll rarely find a DPS with a stun or a or a tank with massive amounts of damage. Like, people have to work together, otherwise you just can't right, play right. the game. Yeah. Uh, now, another small kind of, like, tangential thing to it, but... 
a huge part of what also pushes these games along is how this game handles the jungle. You know how you know how jungles work in a MOBA, right? You like have these Yeah, AI they've got fun in games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. I <laughs> Damn, took you a while. <laughs> yeah, I I, I know. In, instead of um the jungler hero just disappearing to farm gold for like 20 or 30 minutes which happens a lot in like regular league or mobas because again you're trying to chase after that individual power fantasy and if you keep farming stuff you keep getting stronger if you go fight other people you might risk dying so just keep just staying there leave your team behind but in this game there's a brilliant little nugget of game design by making it so that any sort of jungle camp that you defeat will immediately get back up, walk to your lane, and start charging down the lane with you. Which not only makes it so the jungler's effects have an actual impact that helps the rest of the team, it naturally tells the jungler, hey, you just got these really big mercenaries on your side. Look at these giants walking down the stage. You should go with them and make sure you fight with your team alongside them. Because, you know, you don't want that work to go to waste. <clears throat> it's such a good bit of game design that pretty much every MOBA has copied it since in one form or another. I think the Rift Herald and League works that way now. Just like, oh yeah, okay. beat the boss, you can get the boss on your team. Yeah. I know him, that's Zapdos. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. On on top of fixing those shortcomings of the genre, there's just some really neat ideas in this game. Well, for one thing, just 15 maps. Like, League has one. The sheer amount of variety that provides just between, like, keeping up a healthy meta for the game. Like, you watch a competitive league tournament, you're going to see the same heroes picked over and over and over again because that's a 15-year-old game and people just know what's good right now. There's people who have built their careers around this. Here's the Storm has 15 different metas. There's 15 different maps. Some heroes are better on some maps than others. It's a really nice way of just making sure that even if there's some heroes that are stronger than others, they're never always strong on the same maps. You're always seeing different heroes every single time. And competitive isn't like, what if we ban 13 of these maps and make two counter picks? Oh, no, 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 no. You get one map ban in, like, the p- competitive side of things. Holy shit. Oh, yeah, it's glorious. Like, like the current, like, um, a YouTuber called Kaldor, if anybody wants to see, like, what a proper good uh, MOBA competitive scene looks like, has something called Meta Madness, where not only do you have, like, all the map pools in rotation... Anytime a mm-hmm. hero is chosen, that hero can no longer be chosen for the rest of the competitive sets. Ooh. So if you have like Ooh. a best of seven, like I'm watching a best of seven map right match right now. This is what the gameplay is right now. Mm-hmm. Ten heroes per game. They have the audience ban ten of them outright just because it's fun. There's like three heroes left over that don't get chosen if every game goes, and there's not enough healers to be able to do. Like, every single game. So you'll have, like, fascinating games of just like, okay, well, we can't heal ourselves now, but what if we just picked every single stealth hero so we can just delete whoever we meet and they just can't do anything about it? It is such a just... uh, Barring maybe Age of Empires 2, there's no game that's more fun just to watch people play their characters because there's so many different variables at play every single time. Maybe you want to just pick every single healer for a game. Like, sure, you're going to screw yourself over that game, but once it gets to game five, there's just no healers left. And it's fantastic. I love it. Uh, On top of that, 
Um, most MOBAs have a, like, shop and item system. Like, everybody, everybody, I don't have to ex explain this. Um, I like how you look at the camera, just to go, I don't have to explain this you to you. You know how and... this works. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, Heroes of the Storm critics will often point to that, being like, oh, look how, look at this baby game, not having the complicated mechanics in here. Where's all the items? There's, like, 48 items in League of Legends, but... I want to be able to choose between all these different options. Uh, that's bullshit. A mobile item shop is not a cornucopia of choices. It's an illusion of choice. Because as soon as you see the enemy team, as soon as you know what you hear what you're building, if you're not picking from a pool of, like, eight items, you're doing something wrong. And I don't think I've ever seen a league match without a guide telling you what items to pick exactly. at all times or you already have it memorized like you, they're, they're just builds they're just i would go so far as to say that league of legends despite having so many options is about as has about as many variables as heroes of the storm does but what heroes of the storm does is it has something called talents and what talents do is that instead of having, like, those basic stat increases of being like, okay, you move faster now, or your ability does more damage, it will actually change up what your abilities do. So, like, say you have, you have Thrall, right? He's got the same chain lightning ability that he's got in Warcraft 3 as the hero ability. Mm -hmm. Make it so that every time it bounces between two separate heroes, it does increase damage for every single one. That just keeps stacking and stacking and stacking. Yeah. You can make it so that it bounces more times. You can give him more charges of it. Mm -hmm. You can make it so that if he hits somebody when he's chain lightened them, he'll do like a percentage of their health. Like doing like actual fundamentally changing what the ability is and evolving it in new unique ways. That's so much more interesting than there's a basic just like, okay, my damage now does 700 damage instead of 600 damage. Mm-hmm. It provides the variety in more interesting ways. It allows the characters' designs to actually be explored in more ways. Like, you get a lot more out of, like, just your Warcraft 3 heroes than you would with somebody like Jinx, who's just like, okay, yeah, she shoots the rockets, they go boom. Like, uh, comparing Jinx to Junkrat. Like, you, you know Junkrat, right? Overwatch? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Like, having his basic kits, but also having just like, you know, what if he just hopped onto a giant nuke, screamed out, let's go for a ride, and just... Like, imagine if Jinx could, like, hop onto the rocket, like, in her, uh... Have you seen the Get Jinx? Get Jinx, yes. Yeah, yeah, if you should yes. actually do that in the game, that's what Heroes of the Storm is determined to let players do. Okay. Which is kind of jumping off of that, what I think is actually interesting to the audience. This game is a phenomenal crossover. Like, for what a crossover, I think, should be... This has so much fun. I would call it a better one than Smash Brothers, like, in a heartbeat, because it actually does stuff with the crossing over. Oh, they, damn, like Fortnite. Not, not, I'd say Smash Brothers does more than Fortnite. Oh, oh, come on. Rick Sanchez can do a Kamehameha. Well, okay. Letting other characters... I. Okay, okay. I, I guess we're actually talking about two separate extremes, right? Of letting the characters do the crossover shit, whereas, or like, actually bring stuff from the crossover into the game. I can make Master Smash, Chief do a sure you can. It's lot, great. But doesn't let characters, like, mix a lot. Fortnite lets characters mix a lot, but it barely has any depth to it. Anyway, here's the Storm Does Both. 
characters talk constantly. They joke around and mock each other. You'll have, like, the demons of Diablo impressed by the pure evil of the baby Murloc and how he's going to make a fine general one day. You'll, you'll have D.Va from Overwatch. She's a professional StarCraft player, and she'll actually geek out when she's playing Exile, like the actual characters from the game. You'll have, like, specific mounts from each game that can be mixed and matched, so you have Thrall riding a StarCraft Vulture, or Diablo charging into battle on top of a Warcraft exploding sheep, which is just... It's goofy, but it's like the good kind of goofy shit, where it's just like, I can't believe you're allowed to do this, way, but it's, it's, it's just so much fun. Every character has a dedicated dance emote, like specifically tailored to their personality, and it's the best thing ever. Oh, that's cool. Oh, I do like that. I think, like, if we made... Well, not if we, it would be absolutely me, but if I made, like, a Smash Design tier list version of this, it'd probably average out much higher than what we did for Smash Brothers. And granted, that's because MOBAs are a lot simpler. There's just less things that characters are doing. Well, it's also because it's developed properly from the ground up and constantly evolving, whereas Smash Brothers is like, let's not touch Olimar. Let's just not. Why? Well, it, but it's tradition, though. We don't want to leave the players behind. Donkey Kong can still have the headbutts. There's nothing else he could do. Not a damn thing. Bruh, they killed Heihachi. <laughs> like, he's dead dead right now maybe not for another game but right now he's dead shut up <laughs> shut up cliff guilty gear has been dead for like 20 years and those players they are eaten because he's fucking dead shut up stupid they even despite the moba being like a shout not shallower but like you only have four abilities and like a handful of animations Mm -hmm. They still do a really good job in terms of embodying the the feel, the kind of power fantasy a character should have. Like, you remember Maiev from Throws and Throne, the Night Elf Warden? Yes, yes, yes. Around? Instead of just copying over their kits, they, they had a few creative liberties with it. They're like, okay, she's a jailer, she's a warden. What mm -hmm. if she could, like, hook people with her abilities and make it so that they can't leave a certain ring around her? What if she created, like, a ring of like a literal jail around her just to create this kind of fantasy of like, okay, she's literally the warden that prevents people from running away from her. All of her abilities do more damage if they hit multiple people simultaneously. Mm -hmm. You'll have the Archangel Imperius, who is a really just hothead, big shot, thinks he's better than everybody else, and his entire kit is designed around, okay, he's going to initiate the fight, and he's not going to leave the fight until either side stops moving. When contrasted with Artanis, the Protoss commander, who's kind of got the same kind of kit, but the way he works is that he's designed around jumping into a fight, swapping places with one person, and holding off the other four so his team can have an advantage. Just little things like that to show off a character's aggression versus self-sacrifice versus their various powers and abilities. It's really cleverly done to make sure that you're always feeling like the character should. And some of them don't really have kits that really fit them. Like, you have Garrosh just tossing people like he's Zangief or something, but it still fits because he's a really brazen, obnoxious... I, This game is going to play the way I want it to, and it still fits. Mm -hmm. Some of them are sort of better than the original games. Like, you, you know the obnoxiousness of Mei in Overwatch, right? She just freezes yes. you to death. Yes. Uh, and here's the Storm, she's a tank. 
which completely retextualizes the, okay, she's really obnoxious to play against, slowing people down. Like, it's still annoying to play against, but she's not trying to kill you anymore. She's trying to peel for her team. She's trying to protect people. Right, which fits right. Her so much better. Plus, this game has, like, five piranha plant-like designs, because they keep having fun turning basic species or RTS units into fully-fledged characters. Like, there's just a oh, little... Ba- there's just a little baby murloc who's just an annoying little shit to both teams. But if you kill him, he's only worth 40, 25% of experience, so he just keeps coming back over and over and over again. He's just designed to draw attention. You'll have a you'll have a Taran rock star. You'll have those big lumbering undead abominations. But he's just mm-hmm. really just a just a four year old kind of mindset that just wants to play with his friends. And then you'll oh, have the inverse nice. with like the night elf fairy dragons, who's like really just a beautiful design, but is an absolute psychopath that just wants to eat people. There is a Starcraft probe that is literally just a Wally character, and it's the most adorable shit. Ever. Oh, that's nice. Oh, that's nice. Right? I like I like the ability for crossovers to be able to expand. Yeah, and it's not it's something that you just don't see a lot from most crossovers. I, I think because mm-hmm. they usually get caught up in too much red tape. Like you can't be can't go too crazy because cause Square Enix doesn't want Cloud to be look too ridiculous. Can't have the cross dressing thing. You gotta have complete creative control over that. We don't don't want don't want players to get the wrong idea of who this character is. But no, this game has so much fun. With, you know what? No. I know how to end this off. I want to tell a story. Okay. Once upon a time, there was a hyped-up announcement for some big changes coming to Heroes of the Storm. Like, we mm-hmm. knew we were getting a cinematic. We knew Genji was coming to the game. There was a new map themed after Overwatch. And there was this teaser presented with just the, the door of the, the, the... What's the name of the Japanese map? in over, Hanamura, I think? Hanamura. It's Hanamura. Uh, for now. Just a, that door with huge claw swipes crossing over the entire thing. Now, at this time, there was a character people really wanted in the game called Deathwing. I'm sure everybody's seen the Warcraft cinematic of the giant fire dragon. That one. Big, big yeah, dragon. big dragon. Yeah. He was the, like, almost beat for beat, the Ridley is too big pick for that game. Well, so, yeah, he's, he's free of Rayquaza. Yeah, 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 exactly. So when people saw that teaser and just like how much they were hyping it up, naturally started thinking, oh shit, signs are pointing to death when you clock. This is going to be crazy. Cinematic comes out and it was Diablo that made those claw strikes who was already in the game. And the actual character joining Genji was Diva from Overwatch, who like, you might be surprised to hear, not Deathwing. Kind of not even close. They start with the same letter. Why, why aren't people appreciative? That's the, that's the funny thing. So I, what do you think the developers did based off the backlash of that? Just open question. Uh, they went to Pornhub and deleted all of the Deathwing porn. <laughs> to go that Deathwing is not actually a popular character. Good guess. Very good guess. But But no, no. That is that is unfortunately not the route they took. Let me grab. I'm gonna send you an image and show it to chat at the same time. Okay. All what right. What they did was this. Oh, I see. 
this oh, that's is one way to make the character popular. One of the greatest shit posts I've ever seen any developer do to their audience. Because no, they're not going to hop onto some articles to talk about how if they put Deathwing into the game, it wouldn't be Deathwing anymore. They made D.Va a Deathwing skin. And it's the coolest shit ever. Like, just a full organic mech, and she's just a lava body. If she gets into the mech, there's actually this animation of her just dissolving into magma and just being this fire spirit inside. Damn. The greatest tragedy of loss of support for Heroes of the Storm is that we never got the punchline reversed with, like, a diva mech costume and voice filter for Deathwing when he finally got in the game. Because he is in the game now. Right. But reversing the joke would have been the best thing ever. Now, this is funny. I Was it received well? It actually was. Like, people respected the humor of it. This sounds like King K. Rule Me costume as an outsider looking in. No, oh, no, no, no. They put so much work into making this the best costume in the entire game. Okay, all right. And they, and they have always said, like, you know, we would like to put Deathwing in the game. We just need the, an idea. Like, it was talked about for years before, and that's why people still, like, pushed for it, because it was something they talked about. It was like, yeah, we just need to figure out how to do it. Right. But once they did this, like, oh, my God, it was it was beautiful. Like, one of the Peasants Perspective streams I did recently is that we had, like, a mm-hmm. two-hour segment just suggesting what kind of cool costume Smash characters could have. And it drives me insane, like, how many, no no disrespect, but how many vanilla options were being brought to the table when I know stuff like this can exist? You can do so much more with the crossover. Well, yes, but we're starving right now. Like, (laughs) Captain K. Rule is right there being like, buy me for $5, and Nintendo's like, yeah. Yeah, like, I I, I hear you, I understand you, but at the same time, here, I'll, 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 I'll give chat another one. Look, look at this. Look at this freaking junk rat, man. Look at this. Look at this just beautiful absurdity. That's a gross little man. He's in an... It's a junk rat mech. It's a Warcraft goblin piloting a junk rat mech. Yeah, I know. You've given me a picture of an Australian. What's your point? actually animates it as if he's piloting it instead of just copying and pasting the animations it's so good get, that's how you survive in australia you get your mechs <laughs> so that you can fight off the dingoes in their mechs ah uh, like forget the dry bowsers and the fierce deity links like i want to see diddy kong piloting a donkey kong mech get give mario like monster hunter and styled sired bowser armor do that for all the villains for that matter you could go so much further it would be yeah there's a lot you'd be so happy just being like and here's the set of all of these characters being possessed by dark matter exactly here is grima bowser (laughs) oh you could do so much more anyway here's the storm perfect crossover please bring it back i am oh you know what actually might as well mention this because it's part of why i kept playing the game Mm-hmm. Uh, had it set in the news dockets that between my video and this podcast, Heroes of the Storm actually got a massive patch that's kind of raising a few eyebrows. Okay. And, and, like, it's probably just people moving from the Diablo 4 team and doing some passing maintenance before the next project. But there was, like, a ton of something else's. 
not to mention that there is a weird change that's is turning my the, the the community of Heroes of the Storm is calling it hopium versus copium. People that believe this uh-huh. means something versus just trying to not be sad. But every character in the game had a difficulty rating alongside them, like to just communicate players how hard they are to use. Right. And this patch reevaluated which hero is assigned to what. And that's a really weird change to make for a game where the only people playing it are the people that have been playing it for a long time. Like, am I wrong? Yes. That's weird. No, no, that's odd. Like, everyone who's there knows these, and they're like, okay, cool. That's that's a weird effort to put paid money into. Exactly, exactly. And they also made, like, limited skins available again, like limited time ones out of nowhere, which, by the way, th- there's, like, limited skins of, like, Rainer... And, like, a couple of the other, like, Deckard Kane as, like, you know the green army men that have, like, the stands? Yes. It's, yes, it's I, I've seen just toys. that. And you can get, like, on a green horse that doesn't animate properly. It's just a toy bouncing up and down forward as it moves forward. Did you seriously just ask me, have you seen Toy Story in your life? I know. <laughs> it was dumb, a dumb question. How fucking dare you? Take the loss. Probably, it probably just means the game's getting ported to Steam or something, and this is a change to account, account for the influx of players. But, like, there seems to be momentum. That's building. still good. No, yeah, like, there's creators. That's how notice. a game gets a second life. There, I, it's I, how I, Hades actually released. Oh, yeah, that's true. Like, games have come back with much less... Like, I, th- that exact article you mentioned earlier with Phil Spencer, that was in relation to being asked about StarCraft II, Heroes of the Storm, and WarCraft Three, Just being like, hey, Blizzard's got these really good games that people are still playing. You gonna revisit support for them? And he, and he basically said, like, yeah, Blizzard is interested in maybe doing that. And just, like, I think a Heroes of the Storm revival is, like, more likely than it used to be. And I just... I don't want to get my hopes up and be disappointed, but at the same time, I want to be... I want to live in this moment for a bit. I am so happy. You barely stopped yourself from saying, I want to be disappointed. (laughs) I would rather be hopeful and disappointed than live in this sad world where I don't get to play these characters anymore. They never even put Karen Bloodhoof in the game. There's there's only one Tauren. There's 90 heroes and there's one Tauren. It's weird. They need to fix that. Anyway, okay, so, I'll sorry. take your word for it. <laughs> I've rambled enough. But yeah, Heroes of the Storm, good game. Anybody out there that's like obsessed with the Smash Brothers roster shenanigans, go check it out. It's an it's a nice break, and you'll be able to have that whole same like here's my here's my reboot roster, here's my sequel. roster. Why do you keep trying to stab the children with mystery syringes? Look, I don't like children very much. Okay, you're trying They're to go out and you're just like, you get magnets. an addiction. You get an addiction. Which one is it? Who knows? <laughs> Just, do you want to feel even greater I'm disappointment just... in a company than you've experienced with Nintendo? <laughs> I know it doesn't seem possible to you, but trust me, we can get there. I'm just trying to save them from League of Legends by pointing them at the better games. I'm doing a public service. This is this is the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do, right? It's it's, it's I'm I'm a, I'm a good person. We're fine. 
We're fine. You're looking at the twitching body of a child and nodding to yourself as their I lips barely escape the words the right Jaina Proudmore going, I'm a yes, good person. Yes, main Deathwing, ignore your team and jump into the five-man group. You can do it. I believe in you. Next segment, Future Sight. <laughs> Future sight. And no, I didn't change the transitions. At this point, I don't care anymore. That's fine. We actually talked about Psychonauts, so it makes sense now. (laughs) All right, first off, oh boy, we are at award season time. Oh, I'm so glad we're starting with this. That great time. We got two hot little news articles for you. First of all, have any of you out there seen the Golden Joystick Awards? I have watched the compilation that I am now putting on screen as well. Yes, this please was enjoy. This the greatest worst disaster I have ever seen. Yeah, you can find uh, this compilation at uh, Dad Asuna's channel. Indeed, indeed. But if you just search up Golden Joysticks 2023 Troy Baker, you will probably find you it. You will find just heaps of content to consume and cringe and feel so much better about your life choices when you watch it please understand so the golden joysticks haven't been live since the pandemic um long-standing institution of game awards that no one really took all that seriously um okay so first off this was an almost entirely audience voted award show Mm-hmm. So almost all of it happened with uh, polling, and as expected, Baldur's Gate 3 won almost every single award. As deserved. Yep. So please have the knowledge that everyone there who is excited to maybe get up and give a speech is just watching Larian Studios get their steps in. Yeah, I, I can't wait to watch the same thing happen. Let Jeff gonna be great. All right. Uh, this is being hosted by Troy Baker, who you can tell has already had drinks this evening. In fact, everyone in this room has had drinks this evening. It I is believe it was very... an open bar that was open for four hours before the award show started. Troy is there with his wine in his hand saying, I'm not going to give dad jokes. And then every single time the teleprompter gives him a joke, he looks at him. He looks at the man who wrote it. He's like, he wrote that, not me. He did that. Really? Really? <laughs> and Anyway, here, here's the award. You can see the man slowly starting to crack under the pressure of the night. And he tells the audience, because they're being very quiet, they're not being very good audience members. You know, make some noise, get a little louder. So they all do and start talking over the awards constantly. Meanwhile, the cameraman is fumbling to figure out where to go. They show a trailer for a brand new game, a brand new car PG, which Troy reads out and goes, really? (laughs) Really? And the most of the trailer for the entirety that the trailer goes on is blocked by the podium. So you're unable to see what it is. And then everyone goes, Ooh! 
yeah! It is the most delightful process. Troy Baker has a cute little bow tie, and slowly through the evening, you can see it trying to escape his neck for the entire bit of it. And eventually he goes and fixes it. He goes, thank you, thank you. How long is that falling off? 15 minutes. Perfect! Anyway! I'm just skipping around and just watching it slowly, slowly just move more and more. And then they get to the final award of the night, the game of the year. Actually, I did forget because they had, um, you know, obviously Japanese developers who couldn't be there for the rare time that uh, someone other than Larian won an award. Mm -hmm. Um, For most of them, uh, the subtitling wasn't working because the videos were glitched to only show a three second loop. And then they would reset. So you have this infinite loop where the first words are subtitled and then they just keep on going with untranslated dialogue. Accepting their award. That is phenomenal. And then you see Troy Baker absolutely falling apart this whole evening Everything has been basically a shit show, except for the gentleman who uh, voices Astarion. Oh, yeah. Who gives an absolutely class acceptance speech that people talk over. You can physically hear Troy Baker going, shh, shh, in the background, on his mic. It is quite loud. The mics are feeding back into each other, and Troy's going, well, well, what is that? Oh, yeah, the, the, there were some hardware issues with those microphones just to top everything oh, off. Oh, absolutely. And then before the final award, Troy goes up and goes, Hey, guys, what table are you? Table 10? Okay, table 10. Uh, table 9. You're 9? Table 9. Class act. You applaud when you're supposed to applaud. You do a good job. That is good noise. The rest of you... Not so good noise. Let, let's compare again. Good noise? Not so good noise. Good noise? Not so good he, noise. He lingers so much, so long on that. And it's <laughs> just the worst thing ever. But it's so good at the same time. And then his bow tie starts falling off again. He goes, here are the nominees for game of the year. And then Baldur's Gate 3 wins. Of course. It was bad. And it was live streamed. And you can tell the parts where everyone is just fed up with it. And where Troy goes, oh yeah, you guys are getting your steps in. As people are leaving the room to beat the traffic. <laughs> Please understand this is probably the second most prestigious video game award show we have. I I cannot wait to see what goes wrong at the game awards following this. Kojima has the chance to do the funniest thing ever if he reaches out to that one Bill Clinton rabbi kid and actually brings him in as part of like his whatever announcement or acceptance speech or whatever for Death Jeff's Man head 2. would explode. From the desire to protect Kojima wait. and the ability to respect his artistic vision. 
Uh. <sighs> anyway, speaking of the game awards, yeah, Baldur's Gate 3 is probably going to sweep that. Yeah, of course. But there is something interesting to know, and I, I'd like to ask you a question, and a, and a question to everyone. Um, what the fuck is an indie game? Uh, I don't know, but you should you should talk to Jeff about it, because he doesn't seem to know either. Well, I mean it very, very sincerely, because obviously um, an independent game is something that is usually self-published or published outside of the major studio systems. Because, mm-hmm. you know, back in the day... Uh, printing discs and printing carts were a major cost that not a lot of game dev studios could handle. That's why you had publishers like Acclaim that got so many games published and so much shit published. Mm-hmm. And why houses like Nintendo and whatnot are such household names because you know they have the uh, system to go through them and whatnot. So an indie game would be a um, self-published game. Mm-hmm. By that definition, Baldur's Gate 3 is an indie game. Yep. And Dave Diver is not. Which is fascinating because what do you measure it on? Uh, th- this comes from Dave the Diver being nominated as a major indie game for this. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, fair, it's got a pixel art style and it was made by a team of 30 people. The asterisk being that it was given a budget of around $2 million developed by a major corporation that has said publicly in a statement, I don't think this qualifies as an indie game, and also had about 180 people in the special thanks section. Yeah, it it, it is inherently a label that doesn't really have a specific definition, but the whole, like, what I think the heart of the label is, is a labor of love by a few people that just wanted to make a good game. Like, I, I think most people would agree with that definition, right? Mm-hmm. Which just makes it hard to... Which, of course, means that Dave the Diver is an indie game. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just... I don't know. It's a mess. This is mostly me saying that video game genres are absolute bullshit. This is true. Because if you go by, um vague definitions ukulele is an indie game it's self-published it's funded on kickstarter um but demon turf is not because it was published by platonic the studio that self-published ukulele (laughs) no yeah cave story is an indie game Except the 3DS version. I just wouldn't be. <laughs> it's true. Cave Story is an indie game, but Cave Story, nah, doesn't count. Psychonauts 2 is an indie game until it got funding from Xbox. Is Hi-Fi Rush an indie game? Man, I don't know anymore. I remember there was one game that got absolutely snubbed, though. And, like, seeing that... I can't remember which one it was, but seeing that not there, but Dave the Diver being there... I mean, I confidently say it's Pizza Tower, but... Right, that was... Yeah, duh. Yeah. Well, no, but... I love those categories because you have Best Debuting Indie and then Best Indie Game. And three of the five that are on... 
best indie game are in best debuting indie. That doesn't... So, guess which ones aren't winning? Yeah, yeah. It's like seeing... I think it's the... Is it the RPG or action game segment that is just a copy of the Game Awards segment, but the Game Awards segment has six games instead of five? It's it's the same except Mario. Yep, 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 yep. Ugh. This is just to say that video game genres are absolute bullshit. And always have been. Name one game that's properly is genred. Ah, I mean, Baldur's Gate's an RPG. What the fuck is a role-playing game? Technically anything where you play a role. So every game is an RPG. Every game except Tetris is a role-playing game. Yes, yes. We, we have cracked the case. Great. Awesome. Also love how Final Fantasy is in the RPG section, but not the... Is it... Is it not... Actually, I don't remember which one it is, but 16 is, like, weirdly placed based off what... It's like they placed it based off of the brand and not what the actual game is. That's weird. <laughs> An RPG is a game that has numbers. Yes... I, I'm sh at the same time, I'm sure there's some that don't. Yeah, Zelda's not an RPG because it doesn't have numbers. Numbers don't fly off of the enemy when you hit them. So it's not an RPG. I would love to see a, an award show that's based off of criteria like that. Best numbers. That's what this is. Games. That's why Liza P is an RPG because it has the numbers. <laughs> that's all it is. That's why Sifu is a fighting game, because you punch. Go Mortal Kombat 1 wins best fighting game. I'm going to fucking... Anyway. There's no way. Right? Right? Answer the I'm question. I'm sure Ed Boon will be there. Oh, right. Ed Boon will be there to accept it in person. Yeah, and he'll show off, like, the Homelander trailer or something like that. Gotta get those views! <sighs> I hate award show season. I find an ironic enjoyment in them. Golden... Look, Game Awards, Golden Joystick. Good awards, not so good awards. <laughs> good awards, not so good awards. Uh, beautiful. All right. Moving on. Uh, Did You Know Gaming is making its own card game, Do You Know Gaming, with uh, fundraising until January 16th. That's just neat. I, I just like think that. that's cool. Yeah. I do, too. I love it when creators get that big, when you can have, like, I think there was, like, a couple of months ago, there's, like, Scott the Waz Clue as well. Just seeing goofy <laughs> things like that is fun. Yeah. That's just really cool and neat. I want to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also cool and neat for your own uh, perusal of various accoutrements in gaming is that if you are a big fan of the hot television show Bluey, that game is coming out soon. Bluey the video game. And yes, you can get a brand new Xbox in the shape of Bluey. In the shape? Okay. Well, the picture of Bluey is like a square, and it's oh, got Bluey's okay. face on it, because Bluey's like a little square dude. 
I, I don't actually know Bluey's gender. I apologize. I have. People say it's way better than it has any right to be, but like, man, I can't be. It, no, I don't care. Sorry. Oh, uh, how dare you? I've never seen it. Anyway. Just wanted everyone to know. <sighs> but you know what isn't as big of a glow up as Bluey? I mean, what could, honestly? Well, of course, obviously. But, you know, it, it's actually uh, The Last of Us Part 2 Remastered will be releasing I on PS5. This was a joke when I first heard the news. Just being like, oh, yeah, haha, naughty dog. Yeah, they totally do something. Wait, seriously? Yeah. I just. Why? We have truly reached the point of graphical fidelity where the only difference I can tell between the PS4 and PS5 version of The Last of Us Part Two is lighting differences. Well, I know they changed Ellie's face. Yes, but I'm, I'm saying that the returns are diminishing to such a degree. I wish I had a PS4 trailer version of the game running right now in the background footage. That would have been funny. But, like, nobody watching this can tell the difference. This is a three-year-old game that we are recycling. But it includes new content. They by which I mean, outfits. By which I mean it will be three years old next year. Right now it is two years old. There's lost levels. I'm just reading the... There's guitar free play. And introducing no return. A roguelike survival mode. Don't ask questions about the actual multiplayer Last of Us thing we talked about. We were busy making the remasters of the games we already made. This just makes me sad. The ability to what infinitely regurgitate content. On? What other brands do they have that they could be making instead, though? There's just... There's just Last they of Us. They still haven't made Uncarded! No, 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 Ellie you're supposed to be able to be played in a space outfit. No, shut it's up. They need to the release plot. three games in a series and then release a cart racer. That's how it works. Well, yeah, now the, well, after Last of Us Remastered 2, we'll get Last of Us Part 3 and then remasters of both the previous games and that one. And then we'll get Last of Us Cart Racer, which will be remastered twice as well. But Last of Us Cart Racer might be good. I might play that one. Yeah, you don't want don't you want to play as Bludgeoned Joel? Secret I can't wait. Character? Oh god, I can't wait for Joel to have a moral dilemma over which fuel he should use, as one will allow him to win the race, but the other ones will save humanity. And he chooses the one that lets him win the race. <laughs> and then he gives Ellie a pro the prize money. <laughs> And she's like, what happened to that other fuel? He's like, don't worry about it. It didn't don't work. work. It didn't work. It'll be like, okay, here, good fuel, not so good fuel. <laughs> oh, God, please <laughs> let that become a meme. There's just a, Ellie takes acid in Last of Us 3. And it's just Joel going, good decision, not good decision. Good decision, not so and good He's, he's like punching He's like pointing at mushrooms and heroin. Good trip. Not so good trip. 
Oh, God. I don't, I don't share the, like, general derision for the franchise, but God damn, is it, like, the most pretentious franchise out there at this point? Like, just stop. No, Bioshock it. exists. Bioshock hasn't been active for long enough. I, I think, well. It ah. has more games than The Last of Us. That's not true. Last of Us has five games. It's just that... Four Bioshock has Bioshock 2 Remastered and Bioshock Remastered. Yeah, but have you seen... Has the same game been remastered twice now? There's five Maybe. games in the Last of Us series. I, I don't know. I'd There's have to look. There's two actual games. Yeah, Bioshock has more. Or at least an equal amount. And more multiplayer modes. Which is weird. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. Give it another three years and they'll release another bit of concept art. Gotta, gotta keep it in the public limelight. We gotta have the live action season two stuff. They just make... <laughs> A manga adaptation of Omori will be releasing in the Seinen magazine monthly afternoon. That's just neat. I like that is that. just neat. I like stories like this that allow creations like this to uh, hit a broader spectrum and fulfill things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's just nice. Um, a reminder, if you did not play Omori, it is a good game. That's a good one. Good music. I haven't played it yet, but I know the music. And it is, yeah. it is a good Uh. But anyway, um, enough about that, because the Sonic Frontiers devs have a really important question. I have because no idea what the context of this is, and I cannot wait. They've been reflecting on themselves, and they've seen Sonic's Frontiers sales, and they're great, but they could be greater. So they want to know, they're actively asking, what do Armored Core 6 and Tears of the Kingdom have that Sonic doesn't? What do those games have that Sonic don't? Uh, is this like an actual survey they released? Was this an interview? This is an interview quote. Let me get the words for you. And was it actually asking for like, okay, what are we missing here? Or is it like, what, what do they have that we don't? Come on, guys. What does Link have that Sonic doesn't? It's an open world. There's robots. It's the same thing, essentially. Let's see. Kishimoto question what it is that uh, stops people from picking it up. Quote, what is lacking? What fails to resonate with them? The director goes on to say, what did we miss when thinking of ways to appeal to players? If there's something that The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, or Armored Core 6 have that Sonic Frontiers doesn't have, we want to know. Gosh, if, if, if only there were people in this world that like it's their job was to know like games on they can maybe even make games and study this sort of stuff I say you consider hiring any of those to work on sonic no well just like what if we completely reconstructed sonic what if we just did that like we just changed his gameplay style 
change the whole thing. We have something going here, but what if we just completely replaced it for the next title? That would be new and innovative for Sonic. Yeah, gosh. Like, what? Maybe we could, like, maybe give him a sword, maybe? Zelda has swords. Sonic could have a sword, right? What if we made it more like Mario Galaxy, but bad? I think we can go worse. What, what if we try to tie it in with a simultaneous 3DS game and, an, and a uh, Netflix show at the same time? That's a That's a solid plan, solid idea. What if we made a game that was called Sonic the Hedgehog 4 on a budget? Sounds like too much money. Can, can it be made in uh, half the development time? I mean needs? a very small budget. Third of the development time it needs. Sold. I, I don't even know if you're realizing that I'm talking about a real game. No, I know. I, I didn't. Games. I couldn't tell. That's, I that's the joke. Could not tell. That's the skit. You should make the skit more clear. <laughs> I make so, a I'm, funny voice. I, I'm, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll we'll put some Sonic exposition into it next time, so that everybody can understand what the story is trying to go for. That sounds good. That sounds good. Oh my god. I am. I am terrified of Sonic the Hedgehog. That that's all I got. Yeah, at least they released Superstars three days before Mario. I should try that game. I think it might be good. It might be, but like, will you? Maybe at some point. A Steam sale uh, five years down the line. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's how it's feeling. Because I looked at Frontiers on sale, I went, not yet. It can go lower. <sighs> After over a year, Dragon Ball Fighters will finally get rollback netcode. It was so funny seeing Lythero release yes! that one video that was supposed to be a joke. Me like, yeah, we're... we're we were going to release this when they had netcode, but, like, we're just going to release it now because that's never happening. And then they, like, immediately announced they're doing it. Superstars is buggy. Superstars is a Sonic game. Of course it's buggy. Every Sonic game is buggy. You're not going to like Superstars? Good friend Josh tells me that I might because he really likes it. Shut up. Anyway, Dragon Ball Fighters, Lythero, yes. Yes, it, ha it has the thing that they said they do, like, a year and a half ago. I have seen the the rollback looks awkward. Shut because up. I've seen it uh, hit a player, and then the KO graphic will appear early, and then the player just continues doing their combo and bodies you. <laughs> it's, it, it's just letting you know. Like, just give up, man. You're already dead. No, as in the player that was supposed to have died gets the run back. Oh, oh! So there's like some meta shit of just like, okay, can can you beat the game? Can you prove it wrong? So it seems Reach like there is rollback, but is it? <sighs> I am happy that we are at the point of you don't need to know what rollback is to understand what rollback is anymore. That's good. Yeah. 
we have reached the point of it's not a matter of does this game have rollback, but a matter of if this game does not have rollback, a consumer will go, why doesn't it play good like the Street Fighter? It's because they missed a few lines of code here and there. They needed to they need to add one more Goku to the game to fill out the missing bits. But what are the only fighting games without rollback right now? Uh, Smash, Virtua Fighter, and maybe Tekken? Like, I think we finally hit a complete rollback saturation here. Hopefully. We'll see. Yeah. But hopefully we're good. Uh, but you know what is also a fighting game series that might have a little bit of struggles, might have a little bit of budgetary issues. Uh, most of them, honestly. But what are we talking about specifically? Yeah, but I'm specifically referring to the uh, Naruto games. Um, because these games are very dedicated simulators for the anime, being able to relive anime moments and uh, replay battles from the anime in a big, big, nice arena format with great interactive cutscenes that honestly service the games and service the anime very nicely. I, I just opened uh, with up the gameplay, and the first thing I'm looking at is a character cre creation screen. But the character isn't quite centered where you'd expect the character to be on a character's like screen. It's just kind of weirdly off to the left and clipping into the just various choice options. So I, I get the sense that this is a good game. Is what I'm trying yes. to say. Yes. Yes. It it does what it needs to. Mm -hmm. Um now the current issue with this game is that some players know something just a little bit wonky. Because, you know, the overall struggle between Naruto and Sasuke are is going on and whatnot. And Naruto has to break through to his friend. So there's a nice little moment where Naruto punches him on the head and he asks him, you know, if he is free. Did that help him at all? Does he remember? And the issue is the line delivery flashes back to a younger Naruto during that to parallel the story and the line delivery goes something like this <clears throat> sasuke did that wake you up okay and a lot of people are like why would they say the line like that to which naruto's voice actor responded saying that she never recorded a line like that she would never uh, oh. be directed to do it in that way. Uh, and after oh. people asked for more comment, hours later, she said, look, guys, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Let's just let the whole thing blow over. Mm. To which people then poked around the rest of the game and noticed similar lines from other characters who went and other voice actors going, I was directed like that. Or they used that take. So we are at the point where either this has some of the worst vocal direction I have ever heard. And or, the voice actors can't remember voicing Exactly. It. And the voice actors have lost their memory for these lines specifically. Or 
these voices were generated by an algorithm. And not even, like, checked to see if they were fine. Oh, please, absolutely. Have you seen Silent Hill Ascension down the road? Which is so clearly made by a robot that it's not even funny. Oh, it's 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 the first and what's going to be a line for a bit. Get get your popcorn bowls out. This is Do you not remember rough. the Silent Hill berry man going up and saying in your interactive fiction, "I love gathering berries. I make the delicious jams." Is that a secret? And then unlockable? leaving to gather the berries? That's a, is that a secret unlockable like extra character in that one Psychonaut? Is that cut Psychonaut's character there? Dude, I'm sad. It's okay. Art it's, fucking it's sucks be... right now. It's it's thankfully happening at a point where it's so absolute garbage that there's gonna be pushback. I I actually have hope that this is like the best case scenario. Oh yes, I I've seen like those artists where it's just like a jpeg of a woman but the mouth is articulated by ai and it's going hey i'm blah 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 an artist completely made by ai here is my song i hope you like it and they sing a song and everyone's reaction is this fucking sucks like it's not that it's morally wrong it's just bad mm-hmm Anyway, uh, I hope this goes away, because fuck. <laughs> like, this is really damning and damaging to just the voiceover industry in general. And that just, ah, I hate that. Agreed. <sighs> but you know what I don't hate? Uh, not much these days, but this one in particular is quite cool. This is cool. Uh, this is Among Us, and I don't hate Among Us. Among Us is a good game. Yeah, neat game, fun game. Yeah, it was a great fun plot point in uh, Glass Onion. Right. But in any case, uh, Among Us is releasing a massive indie cosmetic pack, including games like A Hat in Time, Celeste, Behemoth, Crypt of the Necrodancer, Untitled Goose Game, and Undertale. Which just, yeah, that's really cool. It's super neat. It looks really cute. I like it. I think the Among Us guys are good until proven otherwise. Agreed. Now, do any of these not qualify as indie games anymore? Good question, actually. Is Among Us still an indie game? I mean, there's only like five people working on it, so I'd, I'd say yes. Yeah, but it's successful. I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Is Undertale still an indie game, using that N logic? No, because no, cause, uh, it has uh, Tokyo Mew Mew. And or Mad Mew Mew, and she has Switch specific controls, so they sold out to Nintendo. Oh, Bad game. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah, Sansus is Smash Brothers, so it can't be indie anymore. True, 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 true. 
uh, Untitled Goose Game crossed over with the Muppets during the Game Awards. Does that count about Oh, the that? Muppets are indie as hell. Okay, 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 okay. Muppets are clearly indie. Yeah, D- Disney. Small niche indie company. Well, yeah, absolutely. Oh, because they're using the Muppets so much right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Drowning in Muppet content. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's just sick. Love it. Yeah, I just like that. That is good. It's good to have many titles as accessible as possible, such as the Grand Theft Auto Legacy Collection. Yes, all three of the PS2 Grand Theft Auto games released in that format that everyone hated and derided as the big shit show will be available to you in the most convenient way to play it. That's right. They will be available through Netflix. What? Wait, what? Yes. As yeah. In, like you, the actual. You can play Grand Theft Auto 3, Grand Theft Auto Vice City, and Grand Theft Auto San Andreas through your Netflix app. So. What? You can sit down and curl on your room, be there with your TV remote, and nicely just sit down and let Tommy Versetti ruin Miami. I. I. Why, though? Uh, Netflix does have a bunch of other games, uh, Hades chief among them, that are playable through their service. But this is probably the biggest big ticket one. But you look at it and you go, huh? Uh, How? Uh? Why? I have so many questions. Okay. Weird. Sure. Why not? You don't ask any of the questions. (laughs) You just went, I have so many questions anyway. Just, just, just sure. Right. Got to judge you something to put a run up for the trailer coming out soon for six. And then one neat thing that happened uh, just yesterday, uh, Fumihide Aoki is the uh, creator of Waluigi as a character. And yesterday he released concept art and a model for the character of Wapich. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that character has been revealed to the world. This was an original concept. And I believe all of these assets were taken from uh, their attempts on Mario Power Tennis. Mm -hmm. So this was after the initial pitch and actually creating um, a model for it that they were playing to slot into that game. This is the most Sega-looking character Nintendo has ever made. Yeah, I was going to say. Like, for what I envisioned for a Wapich, this is not it. This is not it's even not... close. I kind of love her, though. What, what if Knights and the actual kid did, like, a fusion dance is what the vibe I'm getting here. Yeah, I, I really like it. I see it as just, like, this shit-eating gremlin. I saw someone, someone just. I saw someone suggest that this is like Wario's adopted daughter, and I love that take on this character design. Uh, I believe that they asked a couple of follow up questions for it, and I think that the concept for it was that this character is um, a regent who has been deposed elsewhere in the Mushroom World. So this okay. is a failed princess. 
I think she looks cool. No, yeah, she's adorable. Mm-hmm. Also, the, there was the... I'm just... I was watching the Good Vibes Gaming. That's my favorite. There was also the uh, Yoshi variant as well. Being combination. We have Boshi at home. No, yeah, yeah. I know. Why would they do that? Boshi's just a dude. Square can't own Boshi. He's a Yoshi. Yoshis are Yoshis. <laughs> but I, I, I do think it's neat to see like this little... Just I, I love seeing cut content like this. It's, yes. It's just neat. I love seeing cut content that you can tell the character intent behind and you can feel the spirit of it. Mm-hmm. She does it really well. Indeed. Indeed. All right, and that's the wrap-up for the news, unless you got anything. Uh, nope, nothing. Yep, because my other thing was Snake and Peter Griffin, and, like, now we got that. Yep, yep, Nailed sure. it. Yeah. Um, Games coming out this month, I think the only one that interested me was uh, Dragon Quest Monsters coming out. I am scrolling through, and nothing is catching me. Yeah, no, it, it's... This this is award season. People don't release things around this time. Yep. Yep. So we're all settled, except for Ubisoft with their Avatar game, apparently, because that's a thing that exists. Which Avatar? Uh the 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 blue people. Oh, okay. I don't the, care. The open world game. Okay. Number seventy two from Ubisoft. Great. Cool. Uh what you working on? Um, well, just a week ago, released that Waluigi video. I, I, I said this before, but I can't fucking believe you got Matthew Tarantino. Mr. You keep Brawl calling him Matthew Tarantino. The... <laughs> it's very funny. Toronto, fucking... <laughs> you know, I know, he's a Tarantino in my heart. Uh, such a nice gentleman. Corresponding with him was absolutely painless and was a pleasure to uh, go through that process. Um... God, doing a song cover was some of the most fun I've had working on video in a long while. Yeah, Just that video really. was that video was an absolute joy to turn around and uh, please share it. I'm so happy with it. Well, Waluigi deserves more success. Let him have it. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I have to see on certain projects if they will even come out. I can't guarantee anyone anything right now, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of spinning plates, but I have hit roadblocks in every single one of them. So you might see more videos from me this year. You might see a big finale video, or I might have to hold on to it for a couple months, and you'll see me in January with some stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, understandable. It's just that. The time of year. People are busy. Yeah. Um, I do admittedly think that through singing, I've discovered I have a better Doofenshmirtz than I do a Waluigi, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, pull, pull, find, a, find a Phineas and Ferb game, just so you can just lean into that as hard as possible. Oh, I can't take that away from him. He'll do it at a tip of a hat. <laughs> true, true. But I can do it in like 25 years. True. Very nice, very nice. 
Uh, in terms of my end, uh, honestly, if I work on anything, it's going to be helping you on that one video. I just, mm -hmm. I, I think this last month I've maybe edited like three minutes of anything. It's, 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 it's school. School is coming up. I, I have almost caught up on remembering math, but like there's just, there's a lot. And I am dealing with that instead. So. Get pronouncing. We will see. Yes, I kept pronouncing his name Toronto. That that's my Californian accent. Ta and Ta are the same. It's the same syllable. Yeah, that, that that's just they're the same picture meme right there. Mm -hmm. I can't say it any different. I need new lips. But it don't you understand? If you don't have the A, people can't understand what you're talking about. Pronunciation is vitally important to a functioning society. Absolutely not, because when I overpronunciate words, people are like, you sound like an autist who has learned how to speak for the first time. Actual quote. <laughs> and I go, you're not far off. <laughs> uh, but well. yeah, probably not much coming from me. I, I I am like maybe setting up a string game thing with Tarvold that might result in something. That could be fun. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know a, about this. There's a mod for a three that turns the StarCraft campaign into a three player one. Oh. Just trying to find a third person. Oh, my that boyfriends are dating. Interesting. <laughs> I've moved on. No, you haven't. <laughs> yeah, no, you need me. I, I'm stuck here. Yeah. I was once the bigger channel. Now look at me now. You're like three times the size. Shriveling, wasting away. I'm what have getting you? a physics degree. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that in the nicest way possible, honey. Uh, anyway, let's go to the bonus stage. Yeah, let's go. Welcome to bonus stage. Okay, what you got? I think I've started the next several, last several. Yeah, it's, that's absolutely fine. Um, there's going to be a limit to how much I can talk about this, depending on how much you know and how much spoilers you're willing to do. How much do you know about Scott Pilgrim? Fuck. <laughs> um... Was that also yours? That was also mine. Scott Pilgrim is probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Let's go! Let's talk about yeah! it! Yeah! Let's do Scott it! Scott Pilgrim! <laughs> okay, uh, I, I've never read the books. I need. I can't okay. believe I've never gotten around to that, but the movie is one of my favorite movies. Okay. Awesome. Great. So, no, no spoilers required, but I, I guess spoiler warning for the chat. We will be talking about Scott Pilgrim Takes Off. Yes, uh, this will be it. Um, before we uh, start doing anything with that, uh, what are your general thoughts on Scott Pilgrim Takes Off? No spoilers. Uh, it takes Off? Uh, general thoughts. Um, I think I'm basically asking for a vibe check here and nothing else. Okay, 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 okay. Um, uh, weird audio problems. Bit disconcerting in that way. Wonderful yes. follow-up to the themes of the first movie. Yeah. That's my general uh, vibe. I like it more than the first movie. Really? Interesting. Okay. I do think that the first movie is absolutely necessary watching, yes. but I prefer it. 
to the original. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, cool. Um, everyone who has not seen Scott Pilgrim Takes Off or cares about spoilers for the Scott Pilgrim franchise, please leave. Indeed. Please come back in a little bit, but please leave. Uh, I can actually talk a little bit about just why I love the movie, just to give Oh, yeah, 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 go for it, go for it. Uh, so, like, that movie came out when I was in high school, right? Absolutely fell in love with it. Probably for the wrong reasons, like, at, at, at first. It's a very good power fantasy for, like, just loser teenage nerds, you know? You get to beat all the bullies <laughs> in epic fights, everyone thinks you're the coolest, you get to win the heart of just the hottest girl. Teenage Duke saw that hair, the skating, and pulling out an oversized Warhammer. It's like, oh, okay, this is my type. This is, okay, good good to know. <laughs> I'm glad I could have this sorted out. But more importantly, like, just, just a gem of a movie. Came out ahead of its time. Visual effects, second to none. I don't think until Spider-Verse there's been a better comic movie. Just the way that it showcases various information. The visual effects are brilliant because they're filmed in a way that they don't age exactly. at all. Yes. Um, yeah, okay. my experience with Scott Pilgrim is seeing the movie, and I saw it with my sister when it released in an empty theater besides us. Nice. And it was great. Oh, it's such a such a good the the casting director for that movie must have been clairvoyant or something. Mm -hmm. Wow, damn! They really saw that Michael Sarah would just be that person for the next thirteen years, <laughs> and we're like, got it, nailed it. Going back and just seeing Chris Evans, knowing the context of Chris Evans's future, oh, it's uncanny, glorious. <laughs> Brie Larson singing and realizing that's the same person that plays Captain Marvel. It's fucking night and day. Mm -hmm. Also, it's one of the funniest movies ever. Like that one joke of just, is Scott here? Uh, you know what? He just left and just got just flying through the window in the background. Just, ah, uh, comedic timing is. Oh, uh, Wallace mm. Wells. Wallace Wells. 10 out of 10 character. But yeah, I, I think the. Just to kind of piggyback on what I always just said, the reason that this movie captures my heart so much nowadays is because as I've gotten older, my appreciation for what the story of the movie has evolved. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, younger you, it's like, oh yeah, loser fantasy. Nerd I love video games. Yeah. As I got older, it's you quickly realize that both Scott and Ramona are just kind of terrible people. Yeah. Like, Ramona was terrible to every single one of her exes. Scott's dating a high schooler. And yet, they're perfect for each other. And just in our modern world, with this skewed, hyper-fixated, romanticized view of relationships, it is a wonderful, hilarious breath of fresh air to see a movie whose theme essentially boils down to even if you're a shitty person, you can still find love. And I like that. That's... Nice. I like that because, like, even if you're a shady person, you can become a little bit better of a person. Well, yeah, that, that's the thing. I, and you won't, I, I would argue you won't stop the... being entirely shitty, but you can, like, make yourself less. I, I would honestly argue that that's what the uh, this sequel series kind of 
jumps that theme into because it like tackles that theme. He's like, you know what? You know what? You can't oh, it's be better. it's you can't very very clear. That's what it is. Uh, Brian Lee O'Malley has stated that like he has heard the feedback of Scott is the villain of his own story so often. Yeah, he's he's going and to be an eighth evil ex. You can very very clearly see. Yeah, that's taken an effect on him. I, I also do love how Takes Off was uh, ended up coming together with at least the original voice cast because it happened because Michael Sarah still had their email chain and was like, hey, guys, look, here's a funny meme. Really? And then Chris, Chris Evans responded, Michael, what the fuck? It's been 10 years. <laughs> and then they just all got chatting again. That there is no more Scott Pilgrim meme way for that Scott Pilgrim to come back than that. That is yes. amazing. I love how Takes Off was marketed. Because you have no idea it is what it is until you hit the end of the first episode. Well, all right. To rip off the Band-Aid for everyone, I'm going to count to five, and then I'm going to just say it very blatantly. Mm-hmm. One. Okay. So, yeah, it is very much a rebuild, redux, sequel series, wherein it is retelling the same story, and then at the end of episode one, Scott Pilgrim fucking dies. Yep. He just he, it's it's beat for beat for the first episode. The fight starts between Matthew Patel. Matthew Patel punches him so hard he dies, and the second episode opens with his funeral. And he turns into coins, and his corpse is the coins. It's, exactly. And then Envy shows up to perform at his funeral. And... It, oh, yes. God. Mm, brilliant. Oh, it, just tonal whiplash. I was enthralled through the rest of the show i i do have to say like one really big unfortunate critique i have to give the show is that there is a really weird audio balancing issue oh like, yeah like some characters are too quiet they love that you can tell this is like recorded in very different situations it never ruins like the heart of the show for me but it is like very disconcerting and distracting you can tell which one of them is the voice actor with the good rig at home <laughs> yeah Every time young Neil is talking, it's just like, what? Speak up. Well, no, I think I think that's perfect for young Neil. No, it, 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 like, it, it's, it's, it works in a really meta-narrative kind of way, it's, but it's still weird. It's so fascinating. Um, this series very directly takes the comic art style, which is very manga-inspired, very illustrative, very exaggerated in its style, and yet it has the same delivery as the movie, which is very oddly counterculture, which is very quiet, which is very mumbling and awkward. And it creates this really weird disconnect that I know a lot of people do not jive with whatsoever. Mm -hmm. It'd be like if you took One Piece and had Michael Sarah as Luffy. (laughs) You'd be like... I'm hungry. I'm going to use my gum gum. Here I go. I'm a stretchy man. Is that okay? (laughs) But kept the animation exactly the same. Mm -hmm. It's that weird kind of disconnect. It works for me. Yeah, same. I I, I do enjoy it a little bit more in the live action format because I I just think it's funnier watching Chris Evans and Michael Sarah and all of them just sell with a straight face just the absurdity of everything that's going on. Animation doing animation things is just kind of more what I expect, but it's still just such a unique, hilarious, fascinating spin on this kind of art style. Mm-hmm. And 
I do like it as a continuation of the story because we we've seen bait and switches before in media. We've yeah, seen it yeah, with yeah. Evangelion. We've seen it with uh, FF Seven. We've seen it with uh, famously Metal Gear Solid Two. Mm-hmm. Which has been the big reaction for people who are like, well, Metal Gear Solid 2 did it, and that's a beloved game. And everyone's like, people fucking hated Metal Gear Solid 2 when it came out. Except for all of the reviews. And that's because it was a commentary on the nature of sequels and reduxes and remakes. Like, it's directly commenting on it. It is the least transitive thing in the world. So it's it's a matter of does this do it well? Does it work? And I it's hard to say because the marketing for this was very skewed, wherein Brian Lee O'Malley was very clear, no, this is its own thing. And Netflix was very, this is Scott Pilgrim versus the world, but animated. Mm-hmm. That had me worried for a bit there. Just the disconnect there. I, w- I wasn't sure they'd be able to pull off Scott Pilgrim. But, like, they kind of fucking nailed it, man. I really, really enjoyed uh, this production overall. It's messy and awkward, but it fits its theming so well. Chris Evans is given one note to play the entire time, and he's having the time of his life delivering every line in the exact same way. Uh, the when animation it, in this is fan fucking tastic. Like it's all right. Panning shots of just, the battle against all the paparazzi. Yes, wow. I was going to say that skateboarding sequence, utterly incredible. Like that is getting to trigger levels of understanding the environment around you and using the cinematography in a way. Hmm. That is a freaking jet set radio fight. Indeed. Uh, I, I I love that. It's how it, it's very hard for properties to hit that sweet spot of like we we still get what the original was going for and we still want to respect that while also doing our mm-hmm. own thing. I think this perfectly nails right in the middle what it should be doing. Because there's I so agree. many fun reference. The the fact that you see Edgar Wright make a cameo as edgar wrong yeah (laughs) Yeah. by the way direct having a huge plot point of the movie being that young neil wrote the script for scott pilgrim versus the world the actual movie and the characters are acting out themselves but the some of the exes are playing as scots and just god damn it is ramona is the double for herself who is played by envy it's so well done. It's so well paced. Some of the jokes and referential humor are great. The Into the Woods bit that Matthew Patel did, where he is singing Agony, but he is both of the princes singing the song, <laughs> debating with himself. <laughs> I was dying. Oh, oh. It's rare for me to have to pause a show just to catch my breath laughing at what... Just the silly, goofy shit they're doing. There's silly, goofy shit in the show. Oh, the sequence where Gordon and Chris Evans become friends? Yes. (laughs) You have something for me that I want even more. Friendship! (laughs) 
Oh my god. Um, I appreciate the message that it's going for, and I think it's more complete than the original Scott Pilgrims. I feel like I... the ability to recognize that you still can become an awful person and just need basic communication to open up with others is really something just lovely to me. I, I consider I don't think this message can exist without the first one. I see it more oh, as I, like I a, agree. a layup. I agree, but I enjoyed this message more. Yeah, I, I, I think I that it is a necessary addendum to the original. I don't know if I'd call it necessary, but I think it turns it from more of just a more haha meta kind of parody of what romantic stories are into more of a heartfelt like, no, yeah, you actually can be better. Like, this, this, there's an actual message here more than kind of an ironic one, I guess is what I'm trying to say. No, no, I, I agree, but I feel like the idea of things requiring work and uh, effort and the thought of connecting with a person as opposed to the ideal of a person that you need to use yourself in order to connect to others instead of just being self-aware Yeah, yeah, yeah. is incredibly important and it it creates a world with less scots i agree i agree no yeah i i'm with i'm with you i'm with you there but yeah i this just appeals specifically to me and my sensibilities more than the film did and the film already appealed to my sensibilities a lot a lot (laughs) yeah i'm i'm right it's it's such a special gem for something to be made so many years after the the original and still just hit right on the money for where it needs to. That just how much they do with just kind of parodying more modern trends of like time travel and like multiverses kind of mm-hmm. shenanigans is so fun. Yeah. And they get to flesh out all the characters, so it's fun, and they yes. get to use their celebrity cast. I care about knives as more than a plot device. Guys, what what they did, I I love how they kind of extrapolate this message of like, yeah, yeah, even terrible people can be better. You can still change and show that for a lot of the exes, they have the option and they just don't. Yeah. Like Chris Evans' character is still an asshole, but he's so lovable in how he is one. And he actually finds a little niche for himself. I, I appreciate that it's not presenting that message of like okay here's this character now they're better now now they're a completely different character no they're all still the same mm-hmm. they're either just recognizing their flaws and trying to do better or finding better outlets for their flaws just kind of work coexist with people and not hurt people and just, i love that yes it's so smart oh my god the lucas lee line where he's like yeah they fired me from the set it seems i've been let go. It's like if a television show ends, but before its natural conclusion. I wish they had a word for that. <laughs> that was a... <laughs> Sorry, moment. Uh, everything with Wallace is the best thing ever. I love how much more they let his character do. Yes. And he didn't need to. He's still perfect as is. But ha- gosh, ha- would you like to ha- having heterosexual Wallace be played in Wallace at first in, in the movie version of himself and having real Wallace just kick the door and be like, no, I want to play myself. Mm-hmm. Why be me when I could be paid to be me? 
there is exactly one reference that didn't land for me, and that is Scott referencing Detective Pikachu. And I'm like, <laughs> you can't make that reference. You're from 2002. Detective Pikachu doesn't exist. Sure, sure You're wrong, right. Scott. <laughs> oh, but yeah, it is it is fun seeing something that has an average of three out of five, but three is the least represented number on that graph. <laughs> People are so mad or so in love. It's great. Yeah. It's kind of exactly what it's trying to do with the whole Metal Gear Solid 2 counterculture thing. People are having the exact <laughs> and, same reaction. And, you know, I do feel for people who are like, I expected this thing. I got not this thing. That's fair. Yeah. I, I there is no way I was going to enjoy other thing other than the thing that I was excited for. But at the same time, I'm like, the, the original movie is right there and you can watch it. Yeah, And it's still it's still wonderful and amazing like i don't yeah. think this steps on any of the original movie's toes at all if anything mm -hmm. it gives the original movie a happy a happier more hopeful ending yeah you like, should be oh <laughs> the original ends with scott meeting his negative self and realizing oh yeah he's a really chill dude that's the good one yeah <sighs> it's just a point of like don't hate something because it's different hate it because it's bad if you think this is bad that's fine no. there are aspects I, I, I of this that probably that are, are weird there are bad aspects i do think the bad aspects kind of give it its own weird charm but like yeah it, it, it feels it feels more indie yeah yeah no yeah that, totally yeah <laughs> it is yeah, the most Neil indie game version of something that has chris evans <laughs> Uh, just all all of the just contextual, just like respecting the creative vision of young Neil and how he envisioned the artistic integrity of the Scott Pilgrim story mm -hmm. going from movie to stage play. Just, oh, my God. Uh, but yeah, this was this was a delight. This is something that I could actually watch again. And that's in, rare indeed. for me. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. that's that's good. It's good. I'm glad that they made a full story before Netflix could cancel it. Yeah, I, I, indeed, indeed. Like they, they can still do stuff. Like there's that little stinger at the end with what, God. What's her name? Julie, I think. Yeah. Bleep mouth. Yes. But like, it doesn't need it. Like I would, I would happily take more. But this feels like a perfect one-two punch closure on Scott and Ramona story. Yeah. I, I although, I, just make sure that if if anybody ignored the story story spoilers, you need to watch the movie first for this to land. It doesn't. Work yes. Any other way? It, it really it, doesn't work. It kind of can, but you have to understand it as its own weird thing, as opposed to it is meant to be a companion piece. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's interesting and works out really weirdly. And, like, the story is coherent without it. Mm -hmm. But it is clearly servicing you in a way for it. If you do not, um, 
if you don't watch the movie, I would recommend watching it subtitled in a different language because other then the voice direction will not land at all. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Scott, it's got a special place in my heart and I would highly recommend it to any and all that might even be a little bit interested. Mm-hmm. Well, no, they, they said the season two was unlikely. No, they said that they made it one season exactly because they were scared of Netflix canceling it. So they're just mm-hmm. like, we're doing it in one. Is and they, I think they also said that they don't have any ideas for two yet. Like they, yeah, just they got everything out that they wanted to get out. Yeah. So, but like, wait for five more years for Michael Sarah to visit the same email chain. They'll be great. Yeah. Like, hey guys, you still a Marvel? Anyway, <laughs> I had that Lex Luthor thing going for me for a while, and I just, it just didn't work out. You guys got any roles for me? Oh, your guys' stuff is shit, too? Well... That was Sarah? I thought that was Eisenberg. Was I, I'm pretty sure... Hang on. Hang on. No, this is important. Because I'm pretty sure that's what made it so absolutely hilarious. Wasn't he? Are you mixing up the two actors from The Social Network? I might be. <laughs> that's good. No, no, it is Michael Sarah as Lex Luthor. Oh, Okay. No, yeah, that that that's just it. <laughs> is this an anime? It is as anime as Avatar the Last Airbender. So yes, with an asterisk. Like you can have an argument about it, but like you're getting roughly the same kind of stuff. You're you're working with a made up anglicized word that means cartoon literally. That you are using to feel better and to try to make shorthand. It is as useful to describe any sort of animation as it is to describe a game as an RPG. Oh, no, yeah. It's, it's just the indie games of cartoons. Japan, famously indie country. <sighs> Shall we move on? Yes. I think I'm this. good. Comments. so happy we finally had a shared one i was waiting for it to happen yeah that was fun okay uh let's grab and remember to put the music on while i'm doing it uh from camp the nvp i know you asked for non-video game questions but please indulge me on a video game question i'm curious on this one I know that at least Duke isn't a fan of modern FPS battle royales, excluding stuff like Titanfall 2, but what do you guys believe is your disconnect from newer stuff like Call of Duty, Fortnite, and Apex Legends compared to more revered games like Halo and Team Fortress 2? So what, what, what kills you from those really popular games? Um, that I'm not good at them, and that uh, I can't just go in my little hidey hole and play them a ton. like. It took me a long time to warm up to TF2 because I have natural anxiety of not performing well in a team scenario. If something has a single player component to it, then I will do much better. I was much better suited to games where I could do it in a small friend group like uh, Left 4 Dead, 
for instance, working that way. I am much more likely to glue to an FPS with a robust single player mode like Halo, like Titanfall 2, rather than something that is mainly focused on its multiplayer like Call of Duty, like Titanfall 1, like mm-hmm. Apex, etc., etc., uh, Team Fortress 2 being just a weird exception where I was depressed and in high school. Yeah, I'm, I'm sharing a lot of the same beats. Uh, I, I also, like, simulate. It's hard to get into an FPS when you just can't aim very well. Like, other contemporaries, like, like take Overwatch, for example. I don't need to aim with Lucio. I just need to position well, and it's a completely different skill set. Right. More traditional stuff like Call of Duty, you kind of have to be good at what Call of Duty wants you to be good at. Otherwise, you just get destroyed by people that have been playing these games for years and years and years. Which is another thing, when you get into these really popular games, it doesn't feel good to get stomped. Mm-hmm. That kind of ruins it for me, for getting past that barrier of entry to get into any of these kind of games. Yeah, the... The issue with me doesn't lie in the quality of the game itself. It lies in the fact that I don't have the skill set and I don't have the desire to gain that skill set. And also lies in the fact that I just am not a big fan of first person shooters in general. Mm -hmm. Like, as much as I have reverence for games like Half-Life and the like, I don't actually like playing Half-Life games. Mm -hmm. I, I think that there are a lot of gimmicks that were clever for their time that were mind-blowing and feel good in the moment but i just don't gel with them in the correct way that i should at this point okay uh, just so there curiosity, are... does that extend to portal or is portal separate from that no portal is just a weird tutorial that goes on forever and it's great yeah like it's cool. a it's a weird physics puzzle game it's it's different from what half-life is doing while still being the same, it's it's an experiment, but it labels itself properly as an experiment rather than trying to be a video game on top of it. Okay. In fact, I like Portal 2 less because it's less of that. Really? Okay. And just, Interesting. Well, that and just the tonality things with it. I really like think Cave that the Johnson, original... Though. Cave Johnson is fantastic. I love him, but Portal 1 is such a clean experience. I, I can respect that take. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. But yeah, it's less that I'm trying to think of like a modern example that isn't an FPS. Because uh... I mean, I, I will freely admit that I have a little hipster heart in the back of my soul. No, yet there's a little bit of that for me too. I, I will be a freaking counterculture goblin to some extent when I want to look at the more obscure thing. Uh, This probably comes from the fact that I didn't like Ocarina of Time as a child. I I, I can't say like I have a modern example of where like I usually prefer other platformers to Mario like that. There is just kind of something like, okay, that's what everybody talks about. I want to see what I want to see what Rayman's doing over here. I got this little taste of Crash 4 and ooh, that tastes good. I want to see more of that. But I, I like Mario a lot. Yeah, Mario's a good example. I really like Mario. I like what he's doing. I like the general feel of Mario. I feel like it's easier to find complaints in things that are bigger because everything is so magnified, whereas with a smaller project, you really start digging into the nitty-gritty. And just like that individual feeling of what it's doing well just sort of washes over you and like, oh, 
oh, that's nice. Whereas if I put Mario in front of you, the, oh, that's nice, needs to be expected by default. Otherwise, he's, he's not living up to his end of the bargain, is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I also do think that there is a uh, kind of a... I don't know if it's a uh, placebo kind of deal, but when you see these kind of games that are just constantly worked on by hundreds and hundreds of people that are churned out, constant, constantly churning out, it kind of feels a little bit... What's the word I'm looking for? Kind of what was making on a factory line. Mm-hmm. The, the, I, f- I feel like you can... Not not that the passion doesn't exist in games like Fortnite or Apex Legends or Call of Duty, but it's a lot easier to see where it's been focused on for smaller projects. Right. Like, I, I might compare League of Legends versus Arcane in that kind of way. Arcane's way more approachable for just the passion that's been put into it, but when you try to approach it from the direction of League of Legends... It's been so... There's so much stuff cast over such a wide net that it's hard to just grasp anything. There's, there's too many cooks right. in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's why. Uh, let's see... Super Dragonite. Since Duke said let me talk about bugs and Pierre said let me talk about food, let's combine them into something that will likely squick some people. Squick? I like that word. Squick. Yes. What bugs are the best to eat? Do you do you have any frame of reference? Is more don't eat many. Um, let's see. Um, had scorpion didn't like it. Had grasshoppers didn't like it. I think I have. I was a I, I was a kid that would just put anything in my mouth until I ate fire ants and stopped. Ah, that'll do it. Ah, uh, I don't I don't think I've ever eaten a bug. The closest I've gotten is crabs, which aren't bugs. Are there any yeah. bugs you want to try? I guess. I are there any bugs that are good in specific that aren't crickets slash grasshoppers? Because I've tried those and I'm just like, they're dry nothings. I mean, like outside of the states, like that's it's a surprisingly common like food item across most of the world. Well, I'm sure. Like if someone presents it to me in a way, like I'll, I'll gladly try escargot. Like, I'm not turned off by the idea of it. It's just a matter of that doesn't seem like a filling meal due to the size of the bug. Mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, not, not this combined to my ear. Wouldn't be against it, but, like, it's not many options to do so, you know? I don't know. S- send me bugs that are prepared in neat ways and I'll eat them on stream. I don't know. Perfect. That, that, that is a dangerous request to throw out there, though. Just saying. If it's done well and, like, there's no poison, then we're good. All right. I don't care if it's bad. I just want culture in my mouth. I would try spider if it was, like, those, you know, those, like, I think it's Vietnamese, like, tarantula sandwiches. Okay. Just to say I've tried it. I Yeah, yeah. Severely arachnophobic, I'd probably hate it, but like that's that's weird. That's gotta be mm-hmm. something different. Yeah. Uh I like sea urchin if that counts. I don't know what a sea urchin is. I don't think anybody knows what a sea urchin is. It was okay. 
is like a puree on top of pasta, and it was all right. Nice. Uh, from Magic Ice, what game would you say the definitive experience is a version with mods? For example, I've been playing Sonic Generations recently, and so many mods drastically improve an already good game to being fantastic. The classic Sonic physics mod especially made me love the game so much more. Of course, games like Minecraft and Hat in Time have so much modding that the mods can be classified as an entire new game. Would you have any different examples of games that benefit the most from mods, and what qualities make a game more appealing for modders to make high-quality mods for it? I, I uh, yeah, there's a definitive answer for this, and the answer is Knights of the Old Republic 2. Because it makes the game completable. Yeah. <laughs> and adds in all of the content that they had to take out because they made the game in like eight months. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But still had the stuff on disc, but there were glitches that made it inaccessible. So the restored content mod for that, that people are really, really pissed off because they said that they were going to put that in the remake. And guess what? They didn't, even though it's a back of the box quote that they put the restored content in. They're just like, we can't do it for Switch users. Sorry. Yeah, it's because that stuff is good and that game is great. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think to answer the second half of that question, what makes a game appealing for mods is the simultaneous, just like it's a really popular franchise, but the actual developer either doesn't do much with it or provides the tools necessary to do stuff with it. It's like, mm -hmm. I put like Pokemon as an easy example of the first one. Like Pokemon is a franchise that people are really passionate about, but game doesn't doesn't do much with it. But you can mm -hmm. easily mod it with things like the like the 3DS games, especially are really moddable. So you can create things like the Infinite Fusion mods or the Yu-Gi-Oh mod we've talked about before, and just all sorts of different yeah. things. The yeah, uh, Gen 3, not 3DS. Right, right, right. Sorry, sorry. I, I, I tried to say... I tried to say... No, yeah, that was just really wrong. I'm not sure what I was trying to say there. I don't yeah. know. Moving on. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, it's that combined with just the ease of the modding tools and the ability to work with it. Basically how easy the code is to deconstruct or if they're just like, here you go, here's Half-Life Source. Have fun. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, that, that is that's how Team Fortress is made. That's how Counter-Strike was made. That is what birthed the Dota genre. Well, MOBA genre. Yeah. Warcraft 3 was one of the easiest campaign creators ever. StarCraft 2 is so great that they are literally remaking Warcraft 3 in it. The yeah. campaign is now done, and that's just blows my mind. As for pure flavor, uh, Ultimate Marvel 3's modding scene is incredible. Oh, yeah. That's been, look that, I've been loving watching that evolve. Uh, I love Rivals of Aethers, like... Oh yeah, Th that's just anything. Game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's just that's everything. Great. Um, uh, the obvious like kingmaker is freaking Super Mario World. You've had so much creative expression through Mario Wrong Packs, Kaizo Mario, auto levels with that. Like that, that has to be the inspiration of Mario Maker and everything that makes that good. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely agree with that. Um, I... Yeah, I think I think that's all I got for that one. Uh, from Ferricwad, there's a rumor the next 3D Mario will have him jumping around other Nintendo worlds, putting a Mario spin on things. Think Astro's Playroom. What worlds would you like to see him jump through? Like, 
you see that idea, what immediately jumps to your mind is, okay, I want to see that. It's everything in my mind to not say Donkey Kong just to confirm that is a separate series. <laughs> I, I am like, my soul is screaming, don't say Donkey Kong. <laughs> just let it out. You know you want to. It'd be so cool having Mario go around the Gangplank Galleon. It'd be so rad. No, I, I totally He platforms agree. up that Crocodile Isle statue all the way to the keep. It'd be so cool. Cranky would be there. He would belittle him. Oh, I'd love to see Mario Cranky interactions. The, the, you saw that this year. I, I was about to say the movie didn't give me what I wanted from that. Yeah, no, it sucked. Uh, other than that, uh, let's see what would be good. just the distortion world in pokemon could be pretty cool that would be pokemon in general i think works out fairly well for it there's a it, lot of interesting little way you're areas that proper like high quality pokemon living in an open environment yeah precisely it's all because i i think about it and like i don't really want him in zelda or metroid or something like that I yeah, don't really care for him in Kid Icarus. Paper Mario. <laughs> just actual Mario and Paper Mario. Yes, just a Paper Mario environment with all the trappings of it. And just Mario yippee skippy bing bing wahooing his way through. That could be phenomenal. Uh, you, you know what? Mario platforming around a Fire Emblem Siege could be a really interesting, like, change of pace. Like, sticking him into, like, an actual real conflict like that. I don't think they do mm -hmm. it, because I don't think they go far enough with it, but the concept sounds interesting to me. It's it's hard for me, because Mario is already such a Traveler Through Wonderland kind of character mm -hmm. that everything that he does, like, the farthest reaches of what he could do is already crazy and insane so putting mario into a different backdrop doesn't really have the same level of appeal because that's already what mario does mm -hmm. yeah oh you know what i'd love pikmin just shrink him down make it an excuse that would be to that'd be really good actually areas. that would that that's my answer for that i would love that eternal darkness Sure. Why not? That'd be neat. I would love to see Mario platform around Manta Rock. It would be amazing. Have freaking Batman scarecrow sections with Mario jumping at platforms that aren't really there. Let's do it. Nice. All right. All right. Uh, let's grab some from the chat. Uh, from Carson. Um, might not be as interesting for me, but since I've already done some, but if there was a video you could go back to remake, what would it be? Any topics that you've covered, like, really early on that you wish you could take another crack at? Most things before 2019. <laughs> Just in general. Ugh. Uh, 
that Eggman video, I would love to remake Eggman. It was early on. I needed to do it to sort of establish my tone and whatnot. But I think it was very short sighted and very simple of a concept. I would love to fully revisit a character breakdown of Dr. Eggman. I mean, Frontiers gave some stuff to work about one. I think you'd be justified going there. It'd, it'd be it'd be interesting to do so. But Sonic fans will consume anything. Yeah, you'd think. Oh, right. No, right. At least. I completely, I, I'm so sorry. The video left such a thing. Uh-huh. Uh, um, I would like to remake Spamton so I don't misgender Chris. It's a shame that you can't just reach into YouTube videos and just make little edits. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that really does suck. Because I didn't mean to and i was consciously aware of it and it just slipped through and that really frustrates me and always will um the audio quality on two of the four punch out episodes are bad even for that time standards i would love to fix that Mm. there was just a processing issue but we didn't have time Like, I remade the one I hated most. That was Ridley, because the first one was just bad. It was just mm-hmm. bad. Oh, this... You can say it, not me. I think of the one... Probably the Fire Emblem one. I think that was that was very much just... I was in a flow of, okay, I'm actually making like a consistent flow of content. Let's just brush this out real quick. And it was very much just a rough draft that made it into a finished product, I think I could make mm-hmm. that idea real, way, way more smoothly. Like, remake it more as an exploration of uh, actually focusing on the faction rather than the mounts for some reason. Like, what is a Fire Emblem game that's stylized around the kind of historical-slash-fantastical power fantasy of a Norse faction? Like, make yeah. it very raiding. Give it, like, a healer that's more of, like, a passive, like five hit point aoe heal around her make it more like make, like make that a valkyrie class like an actual valkyrie like there's, there's yeah yeah, yeah. You can do with that and just kind of explore different areas of the world with different sorts of like both medieval fighting styles as well as tying into their mythologies as well i think that could be really fun mm-hmm. that would probably be my choice Uh, from Potted Plant, in the spirit of the season, best Christmas things. What do you look forward to around Christmas time? Um, the smell of pine. Oh, it's really nice. That's, that's a good choice. Just, Christmas has just a warmth and a scent that goes into the household. It is very, very comforting and relaxing. I really like the feel of it. And and again, Southern California don't get that much. So <laughs> it's not like a yearly thing. Uh, Is it anything? Christmas movie, game, special games, anything. Uh, I've never been particularly one for uh, like the traditional, like, let's watch all the Christmas movies. Let's put all in all. The, let's do all the Christmas mods. Oh, that's great. Christmas Cause I ads. am. Nice. That's great. Let's go. <laughs> Top five Frank and Bass. Go. Top 
Suffering what? Oh! Oh. oh. Yeah. Hmm. Ah, I will judge you. Number one's probably Rudolph for me. That's just the biggest one from my childhood. Generic. Yes, I Regular know. trash. Um... We like Scott Pilgrim. How can you be what's, this mainstream? What's the what's the uh, Santa origin story? Santa Claus is coming to town. That's the best one. Yes, that one's that's probably number two. That might, yeah, no, that's number two. Ah, uh, how could it be number so two? Hard. It has Burger Meister Meister Burger. Oh shit! No, that's that's Mr. Freeze and Mr. S- no, that's the best one. I forgot. I forgot. Oh no 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 no! That's a different one. That's a uh, Year Without Santa Claus. Oh well, that that Year Without Santa Claus is my favorite one. Then it's the then it's Rudolph. Then it's the origin story. Oh, God. Just, Wait, which origin story? Because there's Santa Claus is I, coming to town where, where he has the penguin and there's the winter mister with the... It's the one with the winter mister. Okay, okay. Or, or I was asking, or is it the one with, like, the dwarves and the wind god and the I trolls? I think I've seen the dwarves and the wind god. I don't know what that is. Ah, uh, I saw that once as a kid and it blew my mind. Because it was this high fantasy thing, and then the origin story of Santa Claus was just off to the side here, as like God had to protect Santa from the troll army. <laughs> that sounds amazing. That would, this is rad. I would love that. God, I can't even think of more. Uh, I really love Jack Frost. I don't think I've seen that. How can you, he had a mechanical horse. They have a song about how they're giving each other make-believe gifts and pretending that it is what they've always wanted. Rankin, Bass, Chris. I remember the donkey one and absolutely hating it because his mom died and that scarred me as a kid. Oh, no, that one's nice and sad. That one's okay. Uh, The regular animated Frosty is good. That's one of that's probably up there. Yeah. Come on, I need one more. Snowman. I I I think we owned Little Drummer Boy. I have zero recollection of the movie. Yeah, I haven't seen the rest of these. I just went through the whole catalog. Okay, so I, whatever. I, I can give you a four. Get Doesn't even matter, because guess what? Mickey's Christmas Carol is the best show ever made. 30 minutes tells the entirety of Christmas Carol actual perfection. No, yeah, it's great. Scrooge McDuck is the best Scrooge that there has been. Suck it, Michael Caine. <laughs> Suck it, Jim Carrey. Ooh, Polar Express. God, that aged so poorly, but it's just got... It sure did. That just made Don't it care for it. Watch um, there was a very excellent Christmas movie that was released just last year called Spirited, which is... Oh, uh, Klaus, the, the, the recent... Oh, Klaus, Netflix yes, Klaus movie. is that excellent. Really but yes, Spirited is a movie musical with Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. Okay. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Uh, it is my favorite Will Ferrell Christmas vehicle, which is hard because I really like Elf. Elf is fun. Elf is different fun. Nightmare Before Christmas is just a perfect October to December movie to pop on every now and then. Mm-hmm. 
Um, oh, Home Alone. Home Alone's my favorite. That, that's, that's, those are my favorite movies. Love those. Uh, Terry Pratchett's Hogfather was a BBC special. And Ooh. I think you can find all of it on YouTube. It's like three hours. And I freaking love it. I think it is the perfect adaptation of a Pratchett novel into a film form, mostly because he oversaw every bit of its production it is wickedly funny and clever and gets to the spirit of the holiday perfectly. I'm not warm up for the traditional kind of stuff. I just like seeing family. It's a nice time of year. Get to see everybody catch up. No, I like Christmas stuff. I pop off with like, yeah, how the Grinch stole Christmas is back on. Oh, Let's do, go. Do, do you watch the are animated, the Jim Carrey or both? Oh, animated. The Jim I, Carrey one disappointed me as I a ha- massive fan I of it. I have a soft spot. I understand one. you having a it's soft spot really for bad, it. I cannot I agree with it. it. It is the Batman Forever of Christmas films. But there's that whole moment where he tries to rip the, the cloth off the table and it doesn't do anything, so he runs back and just knocks everything off the table. It's so funny. It's good. He improvised it. I love that. Yes. It was hell for him to make. I, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, Miracle on 34th Street, also an excellent one. I love the feel-good ones. It's a wonderful life. Yeah. No, just mostly Miracle on 34th Street. Like, that man is Santa Claus. This is true. Nobody else compares. Mm-hmm. Like, he just a lot nails of it. That is the one. I can't. I think with that, we can call it for the day. Just a nice wrap up as we look up at the holidays. Thank you all for watching. Oh, Surprised you've gone this long without mentioning Freeze Easy Peak. I thought it went without mentioning, but yes, it's perfect. It has the best skybox ever made. But I don't play Banjo Kazooie for Christmas. I play Banjo Kazooie as an eternal vigil, it is my state of being. It's not like the Grinch VHS that I had where I was like, I can only bring this out in December. If I did, if I put it out any other month, the VHS would be ruined. It would die. It would sense it. Uh, All right. right. So thank you all for watching. These are always delightful times. Mm-hmm. Nice to Thank take you. a break from the rest of the stuff and just talk about the games. Should anybody want their questions answered, the hashtag is hashtag DDGcomments. Leave it in the comments. We might get to it next time. We might. But next time is uh, our big reflection. We did uh, the characters of the year right, last time. Yeah. So if so you want to do that again, we special. can do that. Yeah, so go ahead. Uh, comments of the video. Leave your favorite video game characters of this year as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, I gotta start thinking up my list and how to prevent just the entire cast of Baldur's Gate from showing up on it. That's fine. We'll be like, okay, it's the Baldur's Gate and Street Fighter Awards. Yeah, Chai's there too. Featuring Chai, yep, exactly. (laughs) It'll be good. But until then, everyone, been nice seeing you. See you all next month.